Welcome, everybody! Hey guys, welcome back. Well, I'm back with another power trip, power cast! What are you doing? Why do you do that? I don't know what the voice is All supposed the to be, actually. <laughs> it's like something from The Office. I was trying Michael to... Scott. Oh. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Welcome back to the power trip. Well, it was gonna be... We're gonna have a good time there, you <laughs> see? No, it was, was an old prospector. You was... just keep living on the other. We're gonna give you a real good time. Oh yeah, we panning for gold. Oh yeah, tune. Well, it was gonna start. <laughs> as, it was gonna start as like British, and then it morphed into like really bad you Western, and then bad. Because you can't do accents. You can't do can't voices. Do they all go to the same thing. <laughs> Sean if you start Macho Man. Exactly. Oh. If you start with any voice, it goes oh. into Sean Connery. It was really. Bad. And then it stops because it's like we can actually. If if you could play out <laughs> the progression. If you could play out the progression. It's like you can watch where he's so into it, so into it, started started to kind of fade away. And Second then guessing, and then and then I'm just and then I'm just done, and then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go right in it. A straight fall off. Like this one time, we were really talking like that, and then I realized that it really wasn't as cool, and then it just kind of just fills on it. Because we're both just shaking our head at him. At exactly, and as, like, as long no. as we can shame you into stopping. We will continue to I do so. I can't help. I'm the only one in this trio with personality. Uh, all right? Uh, For fuck's uh, sake. Uh, uh, uh. Sick. <laughs> Sick rebuttal. <laughs> all right, guys. Welcome back to the Power Trip Gang Powercast. Yes, guys. Welcome back. How are you guys? Doing, <laughs> that doing, doing good. Not, not, as, not as high energy uh, as you are. First of all... I'm doing well. Said, thank you. I'm doing well. Superman does good. Yes. You do well. Do well. Get it right, motherfucker. Your semantical games, they always impress me. Alright, so the first thing, I have to bring this up because I saw it. What am I, chop liver? Fuck you! Oh yeah, Kevin's here. <laughs> when did you get here? Did you know? And I feel like I, I want to get your guys' opinions. Oh dear. PlayStation has announced officially that we've been pronouncing the name of the button wrong since PS1's inception. It is not the X button. It's cross. It is the cross button. Why is there? Did you know that? Why yeah. is there cross? Because it's in the wrong direction. Then no, no. As it's in, not a religious cross, you idiot. As in the two things intersecting. But did you? They yes. officially announced it. That it's it's it, which honestly goes against the entire theme of the controller anyway. Triangle, square, circle, cross. What? Call it an X. That's what it is, you motherfucker. That's a shape. But, yes, so that was officially released. D feelings. Give me your feelings. See, it doesn't shock me because there are, like, anime out there, like, uh, most people call it Hunter x Hunter. Right. It's not. It's usually just Hunter Hunter. Or, or Hunter cross Hunter. Yep. And, like, it's very common for, for Japanese titles to have cross and we pronounce it x well monster hunter released monster hunter double cross which was just two x's yep it wasn't monster hunter xx yep which also wouldn't make sense anyway if you think hi dog which wouldn't make sense anyway because if you think about it it's like would it be final fantasy cross <laughs> or final fantasy cross two and cross three but that also wouldn't fit the theme anyway because it's roman numerals for final fantasy yeah but, I want your thoughts, Paul. Oh, he's fine. 
I know, but his breathing was very loud, and it was right into the microphone. It was my dog. My dog. We only have room for three hosts, not four. Especially one that's cuter than all three of us combined. Only room for three dogs in this room. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them happens to be a hot one. Um, Thank you. Uh, I like that you talk about me like that. <laughs> like a hot one. <laughs> and I'll be frank. <laughs> uh, no, don't point. You're wrong. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> so I... Uh, <sighs> What what was what was their angle like? Why did they decide that after all this time? Why does it make so like? Why did they have to distinguish that it's not an X, it's a cross? I feel like it's it, propaganda is not the right word. I feel like it's to get people talking because something was going to happen like for PlayStation, like the release of Borderlands Three. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, I feel like they're just trying to cause a kerfuffle. Like Nintendo did by so, calling it the the correct pronunciation is NES, yes. not NES. So here's so here's where so I, which a, doesn't make sense because NES is an acronym. Exactly. So here's what I, how I feel about it is that yes, Nintendo, like there's always been the debate of people who call it the NES and people who call it the NES. In my opinion, I think they're both right Absolutely. because if you say NES, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. If you say NES. I know what you're talking about. I mean, so to be honest, if I say NES, it's usually just because I don't feel like, you know, it's more of a shorthand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's no different. But either way, you say it one way or the other, I know exactly what you're talking about. So they can say, they can come out and say, nope, 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 you've been saying it all wrong. It's NES. It doesn't matter. People are still going to call it NES. People are still going to call it NES. Right. Now, the PlayStation, on the other <laughs> hand, that seems a lot less, like, useful why would they clarify? <laughs> oh, guys, we. You know what? Here's here's the fun fact for your edification. For yes, for for your clarification here, we did not have the funding to make the triangle. It was supposed to be a diamond. <laughs> it's a pyramid. The pyramid. Button. Yeah, it's the pyramid button. Which well, also. I'm sorry. No, to be sorry. honest, I think part of it. Oh, I'm is... sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, no, let, me, let me let no. me push the roll button. No. <laughs> So, uh, I think part of it is because, like, yeah, it's just a way of drumming up, making people talk. But I think a big thing is, you gotta remember, the Xbox controller is what? XYBA. Right. So, they went with cross so as not to be like, you know, we're using the same shtick. But Xbox also came out and, and on a thing and said, the one thing that unites all gamers, no matter what button. you play, is the X button. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's yeah. on every single controller. And... I'm sorry, but <coughs> PlayStation started in 1995. September of 1995 is when it came out in the United States. Xbox did not come around until 2001. They had five... No, I'm sorry. I can't do math. They had six wonderful years <laughs> all by themselves of having that fucking X button. You know what? Don't shake your head at me or else I'm going to push the box button. Okay? <laughs> the box... Well, that's the part that irritates me is the fact that there are games with voice dialogue that call it the X they, button. They say push the X push button. Push the X button. Mm -hmm. They don't say push the cross button. No. Which that would have made sense. Oh, no. everybody would have been like, what the fuck are they talking yeah, about? Yeah, <laughs> that's why I don't understand why. Like, see, I can I can understand, like, going back to it, I can understand Nintendo because there always was that debate. Is it NES yeah. or is it NES? So they clarified it for you. 
Sony PlayStation, there was no debate. Nobody yeah, thought, oh, push the cross button. Push the cross button. Push the sticks. But at the same time, the NES, like the NES versus NES clarification is the same thing as uh, what that the guy that created uh, GIFs coming out and saying they're pronounced GIFs. Oh, yes. GIF it's stupid. Yeah. So, yes. And it I, was, I would it was say, a position that doesn't need to be taken. I would say PlayStation is more in the same boat as that one then. Yeah. It's because it's you're correcting something where there was no correction needed to be made. Everybody knows what you're talking about. And now by saying that it's, oh, guys, you've been saying it all wrong. It's the cross button. Now you're going to freaking confuse the hell out of everybody. Yeah, that was the point. Like I said, I think it was just a ploy. It Honestly, had to it, I think it was it's just a stupid. joke. And as usual, I'm, the I'm, internet takes it too far. I'm going well, to stick to it. Far the internet never happens. Never happens. Never. So we got the box button now, we got the pyramid, and we got the roll. <laughs> The roll button. Yeah, it's not a circle, it's a halo nope, button. Nope, it's, it's a roll. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was really funny, and I, I saw that, and I was like, I have to bring this up, because I know Paul probably never saw it. That makes me, like, I, I don't know why, but it, like I'm getting frustrated about it, because... <laughs> that makes me happy that you're frustrated about it. It's just like... <sighs> I, like it's guys, it, it's, not, it's not mug root beer. It's M-U-G root beer. You've been saying it wrong for the last oh hundred years. It's it's M U G. Why why do you put a dog on it? Uh, because the dog is cute. People are going to drink the root beer because they see a cute dog holding it. But it's M U G. But Mountain Dew is now M T N Dew. It's like them coming. Uh, it's not Mountain Dew anymore. It's Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> We've completely taken the vowels out of it, except for the Dew part. <laughs> No, I don't know. I thought that was... Dude. It's like... Like you're sneezing. Like you're sneezing. <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, I'm glad that they clarified that because yes, thank you. I... You... Thank you, Sony. You just... Yes. My life was incomplete for the last... Oh, I don't know, Shoot. 15 years. Almost. Wait. You said 95. 95, so that's... Oh, wow, that's 24 <laughs> years. That's 24 years. Thank you very much, Sony PlayStation. That is a 24-year question that I can now put to bed. Done and done, baby. Cross. The cross. The cross. Square the pyramid. The pyramid. <laughs> Square the pyramid. Oh, <laughs> I hate my brain. All does, right. does it make the French call it lacrosse? Lacrosse. No. Pousse de lacrosse, Putin. They call it the Lacroix button. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh, wow, we are really off topic. Yeah, right we're now. shooting, shooting blanks. Uh, what are you talking about? Only shooting one blanks. of us shoots blanks. <laughs> Only one of us, man. <laughs> and that was that was by choice. <laughs> no. Uh, so I wanted to talk about that. Um... The next thing I wanted to mention, all right, and we kind of glossed over it in the last power cast, was you had brought up the question, what's the big fucking deal about the crunch? The whole idea of the cr of crunch time and how, like, like what's the problem with it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so, I, don't, I don't see what the big deal is. People are all up in arms about, oh, there's labor laws to protect against that, and these employees are being forced to do the crunch. It's people back in the day... Like, they did that because they were passionate about something. Right, and right, there was right. never any question about, oh, why you're working them too hard. It's, no, they're doing it because they want to. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't see what the big deal is. 
So at the time, I was for some reason that fucking episode. I couldn't formulate a thought to save my. No, goddamn you life. could not. That was a disaster. Yeah, no, I don't right. know what happened. You were you were tired. But now I've a stroke. I have formulated a rebuttal to this, and the crunch I feel is is a matter of perspective. In Tobias and Boone's, those are the two, right? And Boone and John Tobias. Yes, you're talking yes. about. In their case, it was the passion project, so it, it, they didn't mind doing the crunch. But as far as, like, if you're, mm, let's say, a peon in a company, okay. and someone says, hey, we need this out, you're working 13 hours, and it's not a passion project of yours, then I could see it kind of crossing a line. You know what I mean? There's a difference between doing it because you're, because it's yours and doing it because it's your job. Well, you know what I mean? But at the same time... At least in the U.S., I don't know how it is in other countries. And depending on what your position is in a company, if you are hourly, I don't know if they can necessarily mandate it. I know. And I know it varies state to state. Yeah. But then, like anything after forty hours, you're making more money anyways. So. Right. There's overtime. Yeah, but if you're if your salary now if your salary not, on yeah, the other hand, you're shooting matter. yourself no. in the foot anyways because right. you don't have a choice. Right. you pretty much working as, as much as they want you to. Yeah. But I feel like that's kind of where the line gets shitty. Like It, it tends leans more towards the shitty side is when it's... And, like, if, if, if we had to do something like that, where we're, we're under the crunch, well, we love Power Trip, so we're happy to do it. But let's say we hire somebody to do our stuff, and we say, you need this out by tomorrow. Like, and I don't care what else you have to do. Like... Then, <laughs> then, then it becomes like they're going to start resenting us because now they're working on something that they don't really even care about. You know, they're just doing it because it's a job. I know why you're snickering. <laughs> True, but if they don't want to, they just won't do it. <laughs> Clearly, that works. Well, see, that's no, it's, that's what my big thing too is. If you aren't, it's such a like physical burden on you. And, like, I know not everyone has the stability to do it, but you have the right to just say no and walk away from the company. Right. But, like yeah, you said, for a I lot mean, of people, that's not yeah, an option. That's not an option for some people, and I understand that. And so, yes, I think with any job that you get into, if there is a chance that you're working on a project or working on something where there's going to be an element of, of crunch, of a deadline that you have to establish... You're going to do whatever you can to get it done because, I mean, for some people, maybe your job's on the line. So it's like it, it makes you want to do it. It makes you have to do it. Yeah. Uh, there's there's no choice. You just have to kind of power through it and get, get it done. I guess where my mindset is then is, and maybe, I don't know, call me callous, but when it comes to the crunch, yes, you may be doing this for two weeks. You may be doing this for three weeks. You may be doing it a month. But once the crunch is done... It's not like you're moving right into that next crunch or it's like literally that crunch time is your entire job where they're saying, nope, now for the next five years, these are the hours that you're keeping. Otherwise, you can go walk away. The crunch is only a limited time thing when they're really rushing to try to get everything to to be as perfect as it possibly can before that, that release date. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then once it's done then you get out and sometimes uh, and maybe not all companies do this but i know that some companies like they'll basically give you like 
a sabbatical or they will give you some like some kind of incentive for what you've done like whether mm-hmm. it's an extra day of 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 uh a vacation time of, of pto or whatever it is or a couple days um or some kind of bonus at the end of it where you'll get a couple thousand dollars or a couple hundred dollars whatever it ends up being um so I think that that maybe it's what, what kind of fantasy world do you fucking live in? Jesus what? Christ! <clears throat> what company does that? <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't know. I know a couple of com- tech companies that do. So yeah, the example I was given <clears throat> was somebody was working. Um, they were, they do they program software yeah. or something, and yeah. they had finished the job, and then like I don't know if it was finished early or something, but it was like a week before. It was supposed to, like, the deadline. Mm-hmm. And the head of the project said, this isn't going to work. Scrap the whole thing, start over. You have a week to get done two months worth of work. That's kind of where it gets shitty. So I'm I'm sorry, but in my, like, in my thought of that, that's just bad management. Oh, absolutely. That's that terrible, is 100% god-awful bad, bad management. If you could not tell that person... Before the one-week deadline that, hey, this isn't going to work, I need you to start this from square one, when you know that it took that person two months, and now yeah. they have to consolidate that all into one week, yeah, you're not going to gonna, start from scratch. You're not going to get, that's not good for the person who's doing it. It's not good for the company because yeah. it's going to show an inferior product at the end of it because you put them through this kind of ringer. Right, right. That's just bad management. Well, and the other thing is, like... I don't know why, but some people that I have talked to about like the like crunch stuff, especially in game development, mm-hmm. for some reason people get these thoughts in their head that, well, everyone is always crunching on you know doing everything, mm-hmm. but in development, especially in software development, that's not how stuff. Unless you are the only like programmer doing it, that's not how development works. Right. Like say the three of us were working on a project and developing something like that. Paul would like you would take like art stuff. Paul would take um, some Music, other like aspect sound things, effects or something, like and that then that. I would take another aspect, and then we'd each be doing completely different things. So it's not like we're all crunching on everything, right, mm-hmm. right, right? And then so like I know like when that crunch time happens, and other people in other like subgroups aren't having to crunch on theirs. There are times when they help with the other departments doing stuff. Right, right. So they they do that to like alleviate the the pressure. Mm-hmm. So it's not. I mean, it's not like it's this one ubiquitous. Boom! This is everyone is in this like super hyper crunch no. thing. Yeah, so, yeah. It's right. like as some people finish, then they can then help out the other people yeah. with what they need to to help lighten lighten that load, and then therefore it then starts trickling to each segment of it, so that everybody gets done yeah. faster yeah. than what they need to. Yeah. Now, like if it's a single <clears> person. That's why, like, some indie games take forever right, to come right. out. I, because they're doing everything. They're doing everything. But when it's, like, a big mm-hmm. team developing stuff, yeah, there's a crunch, but it is not the same type of crunch. Yeah. I don't feel like video games in particular have a crunch anymore. Like, yeah, I mean, how many games nowadays are delayed compared to, like, back in the day? Only if you work for Square Enix. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. I mean, but honestly, like there are games now where it's it's if it's if the game's not delayed, something something kind of fishy about that. Well, the <laughs> other I mean? the other big thing is we know about games a lot sooner in their development cycles nowadays. Oh God, yes, look at E3 do. and stuff. We got announced like the Final Fantasy VII remake when what was it? PS4 launched or was it before? Mm, 
Are you the sure remake? it was? Are you sure it was the remake and it wasn't just the port of the? the no, that no, was no. that was a tech demo. No, but, tech demo. but see, that was there, and that was their justification at the end. But that was actually part of the team that was doing the remake. Because they did that with the PS4 as well, with yeah. Star Ocean. Don't you remember? Yeah. The the tech demo for the PS4 was a, a Star Ocean thing. Well, we didn't see a Star Ocean for years after that. But see, and that's the thing is like, how like that's part of the problem is nowadays we know so much more about what's going on. That's true. That's kind of why I like the way Gearbox handled it with Borderlands Three. Borderlands 3 was in development for five years before we heard anything. Yeah, because, I mean, look at mm -hmm. Metroid Prime 4. They just announced it, and, and... They were working on it for a year, and then they basically made the announcement that yeah. they were scrapping everything <laughs> and then starting over. Yeah, yeah. hiring the other, some yeah. other person to come in and yeah. re-oversee the project. So well, it's isn't like, it the same team that did the other three? I think it's the same management now yeah, or yeah. something like that. But, like, that... It, you're right. They Nowadays, they announce... They'll just tell you what the title of the damn game is, and they'll be like, well, you'll see it in... 2027! Like I said, that's, PS6! That's the big like, problem oh, with like E3 <laughs> and stuff like that now is that used to be about the games coming out within a year, yeah. and it's not. No, no. It's mm -hmm. like those big game shows are no longer it's, about the up and coming. They're about the ones that are farther out. It's basically the the platform where it, it's basically like a teaser trailer for yeah. like movies, but it's teaser trailer for games where they literally... I'll, I'll never forget like when they showed um, Breath of the Wild, mm -hmm. where it was just... Uh, it was just Link walking out, and you see this large expanse. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then that was it. It's like, okay, coming Breath out. Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, coming out 2019. And this was in, like, 2015 or something like that. I mean, it was a long, it was a long time. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's not as bad as, like, what was it, Kingdom Hearts 3? No. We worked on it for this yeah. long. Now we, we're, we're not doing it. We're going to redo this. Yeah. We worked on this. Or what was the one for, it started off on... PS3 kept getting teased. And oh, was Alien. Oh, no. no. Aliens, Colonial Marines. Yeah. Well, yeah. there was that one, too. And it was but see, that one... That Last one was, Guardian. That's the it was one. Last oh. Guardian. But I'm going to say, but the, the Aliens one is slightly different because originally it was announced by one company who was working on it. Yes. That company went defunct <laughs> and then another company bought it and Gearbox is the one that bought it and... But it was PS2 it was supposed to be released on. Shit! <laughs> yeah, PS2, so and like, then it came out at, like, almost near the tail end of, like, the PS3's <laughs> Yeah, but that's cycle. because the company that was yeah. working on it went under, yeah. and yeah. no one bought the game. Like, they kept working on it, and then no one mm -hmm. bought the stuff, and then I'm pretty sure it was Gearbox eventually bought the stuff. I think and so. They had a partially finished game that they were told to finish and put out. Yeah, and, and that's they why did. the game was garbage. And they did, and it was garbage. Yeah, yeah. I know the game Last Guardian was the one you were thinking of because it was supposed to be like a, a launch title for PS3 or something. Uh, PS4. Oh yeah, it might have been three. It was because this this it was the follow up to Shadow of the Colossus. Because it was I remember that getting announced years ago, and then they kept <laughs> they kept postponing it and delaying it and delaying it, and it became the running joke of. Oh, it'll be on the next PlayStation system. <laughs> so when they announced it for PS4, it was oh, that must mean the PS5 is right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> so it was sad because Last Guardian came out and it it kind of it did look like a late <laughs> PS3 title, which was it was an unfortunate thing. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I can I, going back to the crunch thing. It's like I can definitely see where like how it can be good and how it can be bad i can see it yes yeah. i can see the bad in it but i also because of the fact that it is not a permanent status mm -hmm. you're not crunching like that becomes your new hours right like it's literally a project that has to be done so it's 
two weeks to four weeks, whatever it is, you're working these 12 hour days, 14 hour days, or maybe you're doing 16 hour days for a week or two weeks. Like, yeah, hour days. well, Fuck. yes, that would, that would really be shitty. That would be terrible. Yeah, but yeah. the fact that it's like, that's not your job going forward. That's just during this time where everything needs to be good for the betterment of the company and for whatever that whatever it is that you're putting out, this is unfortunately what it has to be. Well, and see, and this is where I will say this is part of the problem with like the major publishers, because it's basically when a, when a publisher says, you know, yeah, we're going to fund your project and you're going to make this game, mm -hmm. they basically say, well, this is the cutoff line. This is where it needs to be out so we get maximum profits. Mm -hmm. And most publishers, especially if you look at companies like EA and stuff like that, they're not very forgiving on pushing those deadlines. So well, they're also aren't they notorious too for releasing half a game? Uh, we'll we'll fix it later in a patch. See, and then that's another that's that's a modern gaming problem altogether. Yeah. Is just they'll rush out the the discs because they want to get the physical copies out, and then they'll release literally a day one patch. Well, no, but see, no, there's a difference between a day one patch to me and then completing the game and then like putting it out there as part of a download a day mm -hmm. one patch is just a okay we found like after the game went gold we found a couple of flaws that need to be addressed we addressed them like if it's like three gigs and under of a patch i don't consider that much of an issue but then when you get a day one patch and it's like 10 gigs 10 plus and you're like something's not right which basically means my disc was just a verifier to install just so i can mm -hmm. actually download it in Destiny? Tony Hawk 5. No, it wasn't just Destiny. There was another game I thought that released, yeah. and then day one, it was like a fucking 50 yeah, it gig, was like... Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5. Really? Yeah. It was literally, it came out, and uh, day one patch was like, it was like 20 some odd gigs, and it's like, well, ironically oh, enough, that's the size of a, of a game. <laughs> so, like, basically, and it means that once the... Um, once the PlayStation Network is no longer active and stuff like that, if you get your hands on that game, then you basically, like, you're screwed because then the patch is I not going to be... I almost want to buy a copy of the game, make sure my system's in offline mode so it has no... and see what happens. And see what actually looks... Yeah, because I, think, I think it's nothing more than just probably like a... a almost demo? like a tech demo. Yeah. <sighs> see, I understand. And see, that's what that is, that's the sort of, like, crunch I would take issue with. Mm -hmm. Is when a developer's just when a, the publisher's like, this is our cutoff line. Now you make sure I don't care what you have to do. You do it. Get it done. So unfortunately, that it's, so that would be the case of like I mean even going back in time, that was ET in a nutshell with what yeah. they did to Howard Scott Warshaw. Yeah. They literally said, we saw ET and we need to capitalize for the holiday shopping season. You need to get this game out and it's got to go to, it's got to go to market by. November, so therefore we have to get this game done and ready and and put off so that we can get the cartridges and everything, the boxes and all stuff. So it's got to be done by September. So then that means that you, Howard Scott Warshaw, you have six weeks to design a game. When the average time to design a game was like literally four to six months, he was given six weeks. And we're not talking like, oh, he was kind of tinkering around with an idea. No, he was told at that point, you have six weeks to to conceptualize a video game and fully develop and fully develop and program it so that it can be sent off in 6 weeks. Now that is a crunch that yes again, it's only 6 weeks. So again, it's only temporary. So I understand that he was dealt a very bad hand in that situation, but that's not his working conditions like every other time afterwards. Yeah. Well, I have the same for the guy that translated Final Fantasy 7. 
Yeah. And he was given the script and said, you got, what was it, a month or two or two, something like two, that? Wasn't it like two weeks or something like he that? Had he had some, two weeks. He had some it absurd time. The one to, guy, yeah. he had two weeks to, to translate the entire script of the game, yeah. So it's like, is that mm-hmm. sort of that's the sort of stuff that it's like, yeah, that's the crunch that's bullshit. And it, there's yeah. no other way around that. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. If it's a passion thing you're doing, the, you're not going to notice. Now, if you have a family, yeah, it's going to be stressful on that sort of like outside like life, but yeah, I mean, you do what you do for what you like. Well, and and that's and, and, and I guess money. maybe that's why I'm so callous about it is because and and maybe it's I mean maybe I'm thinking in an idealistic world in an yeah. idealistic situation, but if you find after that crunch, yes, your family doesn't like it, and you didn't like it, you didn't like being separated from your family, and you feel like the risk of this happening again is very possible with the company that you're with, then you know what? As soon as that crunch is done and things go back to being calm for a little bit, and if they don't, then, I, I don't know, figure out some time into it, start looking for another job. Well, start it, seeing what else is out there, because obviously this is not treating you very fairly, and if this is going to be a recurring thing, then use that as your springboard to get the hell out of there. Well, and the same thing is if the pay or the compensation isn't adequate for going through stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, it's... You, you take what you can get, and then you just say, you know what, screw this, I need better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know. It's one of those tricky situations, I think. I, I feel like there is, especially because it might be weirder for us because we don't have families. Like, we're yeah, all, you that's know. that's true. We don't have that kind of thing. So it's like, I can see, like, if all of a sudden you're having to miss uh, birthdays for kids. or Are you saying or, my dog doesn't count as family? <laughs> I'm but wounded. You need to get that dog a damn job, all right? <laughs> Dogs on Instagram, hashtag. <laughs> but, like, maybe maybe it's a different spot when you're, you know, like your marriage is now kids. affected because... Especially if you have young you know, kids. Yeah. But, like you said, maybe that's maybe that's motivation enough to just be like, look, I need to find I something can't. else. I can't. I gotta find something else. Yeah. Yeah, I was passionate about this, but you know what? There's more than one video game company out there. Well, and, and, and there's see, startups that are forming, like, every day, too. And on the flip side of it, there are individuals whose entire jobs is going into companies and working during crunch times like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what they thrive on. The closer. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, well, because they Some probably work better under pressure. Well, not even just that, but they probably set up. They like the they high know, octane type. They you know, know that it's out. like, okay, I will give you sixteen hours, but you're going to give me a base pay of this, and because it's only for say a month or two months, most companies will say, yeah, we'll give you this, which equates to like double what you would normally make because it's only a limited time and it's not, right. it's not a full contract that they're giving you. Like a seasonal work. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but like there are people, especially in the tech industry, that that's their entire job. Mm-hmm. They jump from company to company and just help finish projects like that. So, hmm. I mean, that's what they like doing. I don't know if they necessarily jump job to job. I think well, it's, oh, they well, do. No, 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 no. But I mean, I mean, I, well, but I mean it's called. Side, I it's don't called, know hardware. No, it's like they're like a consultant. So it's not like they're 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 going into a job and then quitting and then going to another job. It's, well, yeah, it's they're not, considered like a consultant. Yeah, so it's they're not they're like, a third yeah. party contractor. Yes, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> they're not they're not they're not hiring and then quitting and then finding exactly, another company. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Because that that actually it just. It, That'd be weird. Off off the rails. That's that's bad for a company. Like you don't you you yeah. You know. 
<laughs> you don't want like five or six different places in like a span of four years. That that just looks bad on a resume. Is <laughs> that the truth? Well, I suppose if you describe what the nature of your work is, it might not be. And that's true too. I mean, if you yeah. can get five or six different places to hire you, you clearly know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <clears throat> so actually, I wanted to say something about uh, when you were talking about E3. I'd say the only one that E3 kind of like the games they showcase kind of released soon was Nintendo. Their games that they showed at E3, with the exception of like a couple or a few, are usually out within a year or two years or hell, even months. I mean... Well, and there's the surprise ones. Oh, by the way, it's on the shop now. Yeah. Like, even their Nintendo Directs that they do, what is that, monthly? Every couple months? How how often do they do They've seemed to be going more frequently lately. Yeah. Like, those are surprising to me. Like, when they announced uh, the Deadly Premonitions 2 sequel, which I never thought was ever to happen. Origins? Is that Origins? Origins was a remake of the one for the the first one. For the first one. When they announced, like, the the remake of uh, Second Datsu 3, and then they just turned around, oh, by the way, here's a collection of mana on the Switch now. Go get it. Yeah, like, Nintendo... Here's Second Datsu 3 fully translated to English for the first time on the Switch. Go get it. Nintendo has been straight up killing it. When it comes to announcements. Yeah, too bad they just, you know, can't get their off their asses with certain Yeah, but that's not always a good thing to, like, say, oh, and by the way, it's out now, because talk talk to Sega about that one. (laughs) Famous famous E3 blunders. Look at the Sega Saturn, the 32-bit processing CD-ROM-based system. It's going to revolutionize video gaming history. When does that come out? I'm glad you asked. It's actually in stores now. Yeah, but that's a whole console. I it's know, not like Nintendo went there and was like, by the way, 4DS, bitch! I got <laughs> some in my back pocket! Hardware is a little bit different than software. Yeah, yeah, no, so. no. Plus, what the... And besides, it was it was the like the developers of the games who weren't even told that the system was uh, like, like oh. uh, wait a minute, you, you mean we were supposed to be making games for the system? Like, and so yeah, so Sega Saturday had like three games at launch. Yeah. That was it for like the first two or three months. What was it? Nights. I remember it was a release title. Mm, I don't know if it was uh, Daytona. Sure it was. Daytona USA, I think was. I think that one. was too, and it was something else. I remember Nights was because that was mm. that was like a pack-in. That was like the tech demo that was everywhere. Yeah, because yeah. I remember because the Saturn came with that th- with 3D the, the, controller, the 3D controller. Yeah, yeah, and that was the which the is funny because that, game for that which is funny because that 3D controller it was it was longer and bulkier. It's like I never realized it because I I don't think I'd ever seen one up close. Yeah, um, it was really the inspiration for what ended up becoming like the Dreamcast controller. Like, yeah, if you look of, at the if you look of. at the shape and stuff like that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That, anything's better than that fucking Goliath Xbox put out. The first. Duke. Oh Jesus my God! I remember. Christ. I remember that fucking PS. battering. Anybody? Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that still doesn't beat the manual. Don't drop on small children. The whole system was a weapon. Down to the controller. Didn't they? Didn't they once That's do like a, a a thing with the Xbox where it's, it's like they did a test of like oh. dropping it on a dog and it like it would kill a small dog if you dropped oh, it. I, that wouldn't on surprise them. me. I, know they I did. mean, the manuals did say don't drop on small children. Though, yeah, because so. well, that thing was a Goliath. Yes, it was. It was a big, heavy, bulky-ass machine. Yeah. But, I mean, Nintendo, as far as, like, the release of this, it, they're good at saying this is coming out later, but here's something to whet your appetite. Mm-hmm. That's that yeah. seems to be what they're doing with the Switch, and I'm I'm all for it. I love what, they, what they've been releasing. Is, uh, is 
Deadly Premonition, Premonition's Origins, is that out already? Yes, it is. Is it? Like, did they do a physical release of it, or was it I just on the... I think it's digital. Oh, it's just digital. Okay. Because I know they announced the sequel to Deadly Premonition, and then yeah. I want to say they were like, by the way, here's the first one, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was scaled or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is cool, because I love Deadly Premonition. I think the game's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's Twin Peaks, baby. It's Twin Peaks, yeah. Fuck it's basically yeah. Twin Peaks. But, uh... Yeah, so I, I, when you mentioned E3 being like, this is what's coming out in four years, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, I was say, well, Nintendo's kind of, they've been right on the money no, with, they've, like, they've knowing been, what to put out. There has only been a couple, as, like, lately that, and it's more of, like, the high caliber games, like the uh, Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. uh, Metroid Prime, Prime 4. 4. So, I mean, when it's a big landmark, or not landmark, um, like a triple A cornerstone title of theirs or something like that. Um, they want to make sure that it's right, so they spend a lot more time on it. Yeah, and I can admire that. Oh, very much so. Definitely can, man. So the one thing I wanted to talk about, speaking of Nintendo, <clears throat> uh, I've been on vacation this past week, okay? Okay. And I went to a game store, and it, it, it started to roll around my mind a little bit, like, how, like, retro game stores actually, like, survive. Like, because, I mean, if you think about it, like, selling NES, Super Super Nintendo, and Genesis, like, it's not quite the same as, like, selling, like, running GameStop, where it's, like, you can just order more of these games. You know what I mean? Like, pretty much a retro game store, their stock is not why, very replenishable. Why couldn't you just order more games? You couldn't sell a little Samson and then just order another one on your order form. Like for for coming in stock. Well, no, but you. That's what I'm saying. You can order more of like other retro games. It may not right. be that high caliber, but I, I mean, honestly, if you kept getting copies of Little Samson or a Panic Restaurant or Power Blade Two, I mean, obviously, then that store would never have to worry about ever going out of business. No, but you got to remember, <clears throat> in order to get those titles, probably gonna have to spend a lot more. Because, I mean, especially since we've talked about this with the inception of price charting, mm-hmm. not just anybody's going to be saying, sure, I'll give you Panic Restaurant, for, I'll sell it to you for 50 bucks, and then they turn around and sell it for 800 You know what I mean? Like, it's a non-replenishable commodity. You know what I mean? Like, once that game is sold out of that store, that's done. Like, there is no mm-hmm. getting another one unless you're lucky. So it's like... That's why like, I feel like a lot of mom-and-pop retro game stores have a harder time staying afloat. Well, uh, well, if you want to <coughs> well, say A big way they make up for that <laughs> is by selling the modern reproduction peripherals. Yeah, like and, the Retrons. Mm-hmm. And like, well, not just the Retrons, but the replacement controllers. controllers and, yeah. A replacement pin connector for inside the NES. Yeah. It's, oh, extra power <laughs> bricks in case that's... That's where they make up the difference between not being able to constantly move the high-end rare stuff mm-hmm. as opposed to the more common stuff. Yeah, I suppose mm. so. And video game, like mom-and-pop stores, I mean... It, there's no denying that they do have a difficult time with their stock, what they see, what they can't see, what they get in, and, and what they can then sell. But, I mean, first off, I I mean, just kind of digressing a little bit when you say that a, a panic restaurant for $50, like, I think an honorable, like, store would never even allow that game to be sold to them for 50 bucks. They would. You don't think so? I don't, I honestly don't think so. 
Now, you if think it's, too good of people. Now, what was that video game exchange? I was just about to say that. I was going to say, now if it's a video game exchange, <laughs> he's like, oh, I'll probably give you 50 bucks for everything that's in this box here. It doesn't look that good it in condition. It really doesn't look like it's that good in condition. Oh, stadium events? I'm going to have to. 10 bucks. I'm going to have to clean up all the pin connectors. It's going to take, like, I don't know, like, well, there's, what, 10 games in here. It's going to take me, like, uh, 30 hours to clean. Um, yeah, after after all the time and labor I put in, I'll give you 25 bucks. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's a little <laughs> bit too close to home, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sick. Video game so, exchange sucks. So, <laughs> so, but what what they do have difficulty in is that those mom-and-pop stores are reliant on people bringing them in stock that they can right. buy and then they and that they can resell. Now, yes, every so often you may come across a little Samson. You may come across a Snow Bros. You may come across one of those big, uh, one of those big games. And yes, they will sell it. And once they sell it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to make its way back to that store. But you can guarantee that whoever picked it up, there's a really good chance that whoever got it, they're going to keep it. And so that game is now out out of out of stock completely. And so they rely on people bringing in trade-ins. Well, now with everything going digital and basically everything being sold on eBay, if somebody buys that same cartridge from them, uh, like a panic restaurant for $300, and they know that they can then sell it on eBay for $500. Mm -hmm. I'm just throwing out numbers here. I don't know if that's the case. But um, then that game is now permanently out of their supply possibility because nobody is going to be trading it in here right. in Wisconsin because it just got shipped out to Florida. So now a mom and pop store in Florida is going to get that game. So it, I think that there is a lot of, a lot of things that they would have to worry about as far as getting games in. But then, like Kevin said, that's where you start supplementing where you have other things. I cannot remember the last time I saw just a straight-up video game store right. that wasn't merged with something else, like whether it's Magic, Magic cards, Pokemon. whether it's Pokemon cards, um, whether it is plushies and video game like paraphernalia, pop figures, uh, anything, board games. board games, pop culture, everything. It's always mixed into one. I've seen uh, uh, like uh, video game coffee stores as well, too. I mean... They use something else so that if one side of it goes down, you've got another side that will pick it back up again. That's why it kind of scares me with like pre-played that we go to in Madison, because it's like their other half is DVDs, Blu-rays, whatever, movies, music, and yeah. Which really, even that's kind of shifting away. Like, it is. Who's gonna go out and buy a DVD anymore? You know, it's like you kind of don't. <laughs> Well, but I feel like as far as like the retro collecting goes, most collectors will not buy online. We've we've kind of found that out over the years that a lot of like the hunters for retro games, they prefer to stay away from eBay and online purchases. They want to see that cart. They want to see the conditions mm -hmm. and they want to see the box, which is going to draw them into the store anyway. Mm -hmm. But like I, I feel like that's kind of more what what keeps retro game stores alive as opposed to like losing completely to the internet oh yeah is the fact that oh no it's those collectors are really in it for the hunt they they are well not just that is 
a lot of times online too, you run a very high risk of a reproduction card. Oh, absolutely. And if you don't know Getting what you're scammed. looking for, I mean, look at the, was it Pokemon? Pokemon Fire Ruby? Red. Was it Fire Red? No, no, it was Ruby. It was, Ruby. it was Ruby. It was Ruby, where like, it looked legit in the pictures, you got it, and it's not a legit card. No, it and wasn't. It was, and it was only just a fluke, where when you opened it up, you're like, huh, the color's kind of off on this, or the, the label was, it was kind thick. of off. It was a yeah. little bit thicker than yeah. it should have been. And then you put them side by side, and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't real. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, to piggyback on your on your point, yes, is I, I would say that any retro game collector would rather see it in a store in their physical presence so that they can pick it up, they can look at it, they can examine it so that they know what they're getting because there is a high chance that if you order something online, it may not be what's in the picture. Or they say that it works, but then when you get it and it doesn't work, they'll right. say, oh, well, it worked when I when I shipped it off, so therefore it's it's not on me, it's on you. Or yeah. it's a reproduction. Or the the condition is not as good as what they had described. Or through no fault of the sellers, that that item went through the shipping process and just ended up getting damaged through or shipping. Lost. Or lost. Sent yeah. to New Jersey. There's so many, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, GameStop. <laughs> We're sure going to miss you. Um, but, uh... Oh, I'm not. No, I'm just, point, yeah, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> I mean, I, well, kind of, but not so much. <laughs> But anyways, there's so many different wild cards and so many different things that you run the risk of if you buy it online. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that it does take away is that when you buy online, you are competing with a whole bunch of other people, especially like on eBay and auction sites. You're competing with a whole bunch of people who know exactly what it is, what they want, and they may want it more than you do. So if you're right. willing to spend $300 on a $250 game, but you just happen to come across somebody who's willing to spend $400 on that game, then it you're doesn't out. matter. You're out. And see, that that's something else you kind of lose with, uh, with doing it online is, say I went into a mom-and-pop shop and they have a game I want, well, maybe I might be able to haggle with them and be like, I have an extra copy of this other one that goes for a certain amount. Will you take off X amount from the price of this game if I trade in this one for, and we do an exchange, kind of? That yes. reminds me of that one store we went to in Milwaukee. I don't remember the name of it, but they were. he was talking about how um, anytime somebody wanted to buy his expensive stuff, he or he would like only allow them to buy he wouldn't let like, them buy it. he you would have to like basically trade them yeah, so that yeah. if he gets rid of something super rare he's got to put something super rare in there so that he's not left holding the bag of like yeah. oh sports games and all these other yeah. things that, now my store has got yeah. nothing but common crap exactly you know cuz as cuz there are some people like that who yes. just go around and they just scoop up all the really good shit mm -hmm. and then that's their now they have mm -hmm. a good supply of stuff yeah and I remember, and I actually thought that was kind of clever of him. Yeah, a little weird was. in a business sense. Yeah, it was, yeah. <coughs> I've never heard of a guy just denying somebody a purchase, but... No, 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 no we have. Because we've gone into the one store where it's basically just a guy showing off his old toys. <laughs> oh, yeah. The one the guy that, oh, and, oh, uh, None and, of this is for yeah, sale. No, that's, I just yeah. rent a storefront to show it off. Mm -hmm. What a dick. <laughs> so, but, uh, no, another, another fun thing of, like, the hunt is that when you do it in person and you get to see all the different mom and pop stores, you run a very low, but you still run a chance that you may find a diamond in the rough. You may find yeah. a game 
like a Bonk's Adventure that for some reason it's only priced at $9. And you're like, well, why is it only priced at $9? Because they don't know what they have, so you decide to buy it. You mean not 1600 Well, <laughs> if, got, if it's got the box, you're and talking like, 3000 That's where going to like... Um, like true like flea markets and mm -hmm. like rummage sales are good. Oh, right. You can go in and find a box of like old games and be like, well, they're like, well, it was just my kids. They don't use them anymore. Yeah. This amount for just take the box and start digging through it and you find some great stuff in there. Yeah, and it's it's priced $5 a piece no matter what yeah. it is. And, you know? and see, and that's another reason why I, I do feel like yeah, mom and pop stores, like uh, video game retro stores, they do have their work cut out for them. It's not an easy gig. Like, you're not going to go into that business getting rich. You're basically going to do what you love doing. But I think there's a lot more work that has to be done now than there used to be. Where, mm -hmm. where because you're getting rid of your stock to other people who may want to keep it, they're not trading it back, they have to then take the initiative to say... I've got to go to the flea markets and I've got to see what I can find so that I can put that in my store. Hit up rummage sales. Hit up rummage sales. Do whatever you need to. And then another yeah. fun aspect of doing it that way is you never know the type of people you're going to run into. So you might run into another collector mm -hmm. and spark up a conversation and then oh, all of this. a sudden you're networking and you have other people. You're yep. basically doing stuff alongside at different places. And they can be like, oh, hey, by the way, I was at this store. I saw this, they, you know, they, a game you want. Did you want me to grab this? And you'd be like, oh, yeah, I saw yeah. this other one over here that you're looking for. And then you guys, you can network that way. Oh, yeah. You don't get that same yeah. networking really on the Oh, yeah. Am I, like, am to I... a certain degree, you can go to, like, the forums and you sort of get it. But you don't get that type of connection going Yeah. In, in the like, heyday of my collecting and, and stuff, yeah. I met many, many different kinds of people, many wonderful people. I remember one of the guys that I, uh, and this was before, like, I, I would take you around too because uh this is when i went to the kenosha flea market which is ashamed of you no no, no. <laughs> that's fair no this is when no it was like 2002 or no maybe 2003 so it was like before we started hanging out like a um, lot rigs exactly um but i remember going to uh the kenosha flea market and there was a guy who had a you could tell his his whole store was just like retro video games because i remember one of the things that he had in the he had a case one of the things he had was um Ocarina of Time in the box with a uh, with the strategy guide attached to it. And it was oh. like I want to say it was like sixty bucks is what he was charging for it, which is even like in two thousand three that was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so then I ended up finding um, a box of Nintendo games. That's where I found Snow Bros for five bucks. Wow. Every game in that box was five dollars, which is why I still kick myself to this day because it's like I wish I would have known now. What I or I wish I would have known back then what I know now because then I would have been looking for other games, other rare mm -hmm. games that it's like shoot that's gonna be rare one day or shoot I didn't even know that Panic Restaurant at that point existed so maybe Panic Restaurant was in that was in that box too, um, but yeah I ended up just striking up a conversation with the guy his name was Fred he was a really great guy he had a daughter who lived in Kentucky and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, she would come over, or she, like before she had moved to Kentucky. Um, no, I take that back. She wasn't in Kentucky. He used to go over to his daughter's house for dinner, and then I remember seeing him every so often. Like I would go back into the into the Kenosha flea market, and then um, he just he wasn't there anymore. And I like for the life of me, I was I was worried about him because it did look like he did smoke <laughs> a, a lot, and so I thought like maybe he had had cancer or something like that. And 
one day I went into the, the flea market, and this was like five years later, and I was like, you know what? I, I don't know if you would be able to answer this this question. There was a woman who looked like she was like walking around like she knew the place, and so I thought maybe it was like a manager. I said, I don't suppose you know a, a guy who used to have a booth here, and she's like, what, what was his name? I'm like, I think it was Fred. And she told me that it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy when he was here. He actually moved to uh, Kentucky because his daughter moved out there. And so he actually just kind of went with her. And so now they're living in Kentucky. And I'm like, that's great. And so it's like that's the kind of, I, I know, it's a kind of a pointless story. but No, it's, it's a connection you still, make. But still, that's the kind of story that you don't get from eBay, from right. Amazon, from, from getting a game online where you don't know what it is that you're buying. You get to have these... You get to have these extra stories mm -hmm. that you associate with the games that you pick up. And that's why I feel like those mom-and-pop stores, that's why they haven't succumbed to that internet yet. Nope. Now, like GameStop has or whatever, is because those types of connections are what people want, mm -hmm. especially the people who are collecting, because let's be honest, like even the Midwest Gaming Classic, you're not going to get like just some mom and dad and their fucking four-year-old coming in off the street to look for Super Mario 3. It's like, no, they're coming in with a purpose. Mm -hmm. Like those people that are going there are there to find things. Yeah. Which is what I feel like those mom well, and pop stores, that's kind of what they are. You do also slightly get those people that go in to show their kids this is what they used to do. Yeah. This is what they used to play. Like well, the people we get at uh, yeah, Free like Comic Book yeah. Day. Yeah. Like yeah. You do get those type of mm -hmm. people at Midwest Gaming Classic as well. So, yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, granted, they usually do end up picking up stuff, but like, they usually go there with an, more of an intent of like, I remember the heyday of when we did this and, you know, when we were a kid type thing. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. So, but that's, yeah. I mean, that's one edge I feel like those mom and pop stores have as far as that goes but it's it still seems like such a volatile the, business to try to get into without having something else in the store to fall back on yeah. they have an edge because of the fact that they collect and they take in all kinds of retro games like GameStop will only take in the newer stuff the PS3s right. the Xbox 360 games and stuff like that but again mom and pop stores also have the possibility that they can say you have this box of what looks like $100 worth of games. I'll give you $50 for it. When When's the last time you went into a GameStop and you got $50 in store credit? Or Pokemon. $50 in cash? Pokemon. <laughs> you sell Pokemon to them, you basically get your profit right back. I suppose, but in <laughs> some cases, though, how many, how many times have you ever heard a story of somebody walking into GameStop with a freaking stack uh, a big ass stack of like twenty games, and they're like, "Oh, I'll give you a five dollars and twenty six cents store credit." <laughs> I must say, I was shocked when I tr stupidly traded in my Pokemon Heart Gold, and I got twenty three dollars back. Twenty three fucking dollars. dollars. I was like, "Oh, that, I nearly that came. to you." That to you is a victory story. <laughs> no, because I realized that game later was ending up selling for eighty dollars. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. Is that people associate. Like that's what they associate GameStop with is yeah. that that's where you go to trade in your games if you just want a couple bucks. Like, yeah, pretty literally. much. Literally. So mom and pop stores have more of that personal feeling, that personal touch that GameStop, which is an industry, does not have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or it's a corporation, not an industry. It's a corporation, basically. And they do. I mean, this, so this this store that I went to in it is in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. Um, 
they had so, like they just had some really goofy shit. Like I, I saw a boxed 3DO, which I'd never seen a 3DO before. Oh wow! Um, I mean, I just saw some really cool box stuff that I normally wouldn't see. Mm-hmm. So it was just I, I don't know, like something about it. It's it's see it's so cool to me, but at the same time, I'm like this is to be such. A fragile environment. You know what I mean? Well, and because, I think, like I said, if somebody comes in, like he's like some big shot's not the right word, but like some rich guy, and he's just like, "What's the rarest shit you got in here? I'm taking all of it." That business is probably gonna go under because it's like now you have nothing anybody wants. So it's like he's essentially just wiping out this business, kind of like what that that uh, what is it that video game exchange did with the whole mm-hmm. goodwill thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of in a weird way the same same thing. It's Saint, like Saint, Saint Vincent de Paul. Yeah. Their, their oh, I thought annual, it was goodwill. I'm no, Saint Vincent de Paul. It was their like their annual rummage sale or something like that. Where, yeah, I guess they do it like once a year or something like that. And so he it's just uh, a purge crap, yeah, right? It was just a purge stuff. That's right. But they'll but they'll keep like all of the the video games and electronics in one area, all the clothing, all the shoes, and and so that's yeah. Is it everything one like flat price? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So no matter what the game might actually be worth, it's still ten dollars. But it's or the same. But it's the same situation you might get into at uh, at Goodwill, where and I've I've shopped at Goodwill enough to where it's like if you look at a at a case like and it's a game, you have to open it up to make sure the game's in there because sometimes people will donate their boxes of like DVDs, movies, uh, CDs, video games, and the game's not in there. The CD's not in there. So that's so weird. Yeah, and say another yeah. thing with like the like the mom and pop type sh- stores too. I think location also depends on how well they survive. Well, it does because, because yeah, it, it's, it's, what goes into the store. It, yeah. Like if you've got more of a like an area where you've got visual where people can see the store and are tempted to come in and buy stuff. Versus one that say is like out in like the county or something like that, mm-hmm. like the, the foot traffic on that sort of stuff is really going to change your business too. I suppose so. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted that that affects like every business, but I think that would have more of an impact on a small one. I feel like something being in a more condensed area though would would have so much shifting stock that you're almost better off going to those stores that are more out of the way, or because then they'll have stuff that like the treasures, like the diamonds in the rough. I feel. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't yes, know. No. But see, that's the thing is it can Maybe. go either way. That's yeah. Especially with like smaller companies like like the businesses like that. Like, okay, yeah, you go into like one of the busy ones, and yeah, they don't have. But then other collectors know to go and look for these smaller stores too. So at the same time, you might go out to them, and all they have is the common stuff anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So what like. Preplayed that we go to is that how yeah. how many stores is that is that that's not nationwide is it no I didn't think so no, is that, that only that, like a few stores here and there I mean they have the two in Madison which are both independently owned okay so there's the one on the east side and one on the west side yeah um, and then there were stores in Milwaukee that looked like they were still the same thing they were called Mega Media Exchange but it looked it was like the same set up same design so it may have been like the same thing i always thought they were all mega media exchange no no the ones Um, yeah the pre-plays in madison were the first ones that i ever noticed because then when i actually went to uh milwaukee once with my dad 
I had, uh, we had passed on, well, you remember where the old one used to be on, on uh, South 76th Street? Uh-huh. Um, so we used to, like, we passed that on the way back, and I was like, wait a minute, that place has Mega Media Exchange, but it, it looks like the same font type as, like, where I, I go for, uh, for pre-plates. Yeah. And so I asked my dad, I was like, hey, do you mind if we stop here? And when I went in there, I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, this, this is it. This is pre-played. In fact, that's where I got the the sealed copy of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I bought that thing for two dollars and ninety nine cents. And that was that was before, like when everything was just a flat price. Like nothing was ever nothing was ever like, unless you had like the like uh, like uh, the Legend of Zelda because it was the gold card. So they would charge like maybe seven ninety nine for that one. Um, but for the most part, all of their games, all of their Nintendo games, are a flat rate of like. Three dollars and ninety nine cents, or two dollars and ninety nine cents. Sports games were generally like one dollar and ninety nine cents. <laughs> you said that thing is sealed. Yeah, it's sealed. Like actually sealed, like, like new, like actually sealed. Yeah, it's one hundred and ninety dollars. Oh, just so you know. And it's autographed. It's autographed by Charles uh, uh, Fleischer, who is the voice of Roger Rabbit. I thought actually. I was gonna say Charles Manson. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. Don't listen to him, Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> Too many things. Oh, hmm. Ooh, rabbits. <laughs> rabbits, rabbits, rabbits. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, so, man. It's pre-plates. Those were good. Those were good times. Well, and that and they actually, still have a lot of really good stuff. Well, and that actually goes into like what my feelings are in the collecting landscape nowadays. That I think we we've had discussions about this. I'm not sure if we've actually covered it on our podcast, but maybe it's it's an episode unto itself. But it often seems like no, I'm I'm, I'm dead podcast. serious. Podcast. What's a podcast? Oh, shit. No, I'm sorry. It's a podcast! Oh, my God, you jerk. Sick. Sick burn, bro. <laughs> Sick burn. That's all I got. That's all I got. So, but no, what I what I miss about the collecting landscape is back when I started in, like, early 2003, maybe even the tail end of 2002, it seemed like such a niche thing where there was so few people doing it, and nobody was mm-hmm. really saying that they collected video games they kind of kept it to themselves and whenever you would go into a video game store even at the time GameStop still had old stuff oh yeah so i mean if you went into GameStop, you went into the mom and pop places you went into the game crazies they always had a humongous variety of stuff like a lot of different things that you never see yeah and as collecting got more big as video game as, as retro video games have really kind of hit this renaissance, um, you don't see that anymore. Yeah. With the advent of of price charting, everybody and their mother thinks that they're a, an expert, <laughs> and now they know what the price of a video game is, so therefore that's what they're going to ask for, or they're going to ask $10, $15 more or than just, what it is. Yeah, looking up wrong information. Or well, because up. I saw it on eBay sell for fifteen hundred, that must mean it's worth fifteen hundred. Well, the, the the biggest thing of that was that there was a uh, there was a story. You remember uh, Storage Wars? Mm-hmm. There was a guy on there who he heard about the story about a Nintendo game selling. Well, he thought it was a system, and so he thought that this Nintendo system it was a first run Nintendo system, and so it's worth ten thousand dollars because it sold for ten thousand dollars. And so he ends up finding a Nintendo in one of the uh, in one of the the things and thinks, oh yeah, it's it's a Nintendo zero zero one. It's like no, that just means it was the first run of the Nintendo. The zero zero two is like the second is is yeah. the second generation one, the top loading one. Yeah. The, 
the thing is, is that the lot that he that made the news, it went for fifteen thousand dollars because of the fact that, un, like, in the six games that was in that lot with that Nintendo was stadium events. Of course. And so this guy goes to this pawn shop where he's like, "How much is this Nintendo? How much are you gonna buy it from me for?" The Nintendo didn't have a power cord. It had two controllers. I don't even think he had any games. So he's like, "I don't even know if this thing works," but. I'll give you 10 bucks. Conservatively, I think he offered him like 20 bucks for it. Wow, that's like generous. without without because he's like it doesn't have a power cord. I don't even know if it works and I can't test it because I don't have the power cord. Um, but I would give you $20 for it. And so people get that misinformation and they think that they have like a gold mine that they're sitting on when it's actually just bases loaded too. <laughs> um, and and so it's like with with the advent of, of price charting and with everybody just getting into it and it, having this renaissance Every game store that you go to, now you you don't see that variety anymore. You yeah. don't you don't. When's the last well, time we went to a store and we saw Bomberman? Yeah. <laughs> like I like I you you may think I'm kidding, but it's like when's the last time you saw something like that? Yeah, but yet right. you'll always see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You'll always see Super Mario Brothers two, three. You always see everywhere you go the that. same games over and over yeah. again. Well, I, I think a part of that too is like you guys. And probably the other, like, we'll just say, take Wisconsin as an example. You guys and other collectors in the state probably make the same runs to the same stores mm -hmm. in circuit. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, this circuit might be tapped. There might be other places that don't have that many collectors around that have that are sitting on these gold mines because no one goes to that store. No, like, and, that's and that's why I feel that's like part of the problem with, mm -hmm. like, Especially with, like, you guys just going to the same stores repeatedly. Yeah, occasionally they'll get something good in and you'll find something great. But if you're just going to keep running the same track, you're not going to get anything. Yeah, you're the source. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's so you true. have to branch out and eventually find other places to go. And that's why I feel like some of those places that are more out of the way would yield you better results. Because they it's might. stuff that hasn't been yeah. picked over, whereas something in Chicago... Has you, such high volume foot traffic. Yeah, but you do run the risk though that because it's out of the way, yes, it may have some some untapped uh, some untapped gold in there. But people have to bring that stuff in. So if they're going out of their way to bring this stuff in, or they're not bringing this stuff in because they have to go out of their way, it's not going to make it in there. And that was one thing I wanted to so talk it's about. So it's kind of a hit and miss. Where yeah. do you think they get their product? Because like you said, now if, if, if you're running that business, obviously you have to seek products somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you'll get it occasionally from customer trade-ins or whatever, but I would assume I, a lot of it has to come from the hunt. And since, like we had talked about, price charting's come into prominence, mm -hmm. it's a lot harder to come by product fairly. Yes. You know, you're, chances are you're not going to find Panic Restaurant you're not going to make as big of a profit as you would, say, going to a flea market and finding it for $5 and now selling it for 500 mm -hmm. Like, now you're probably going to have to pay about 300 You know what I mean? You're, you're losing out on such a profit that it almost yeah. feels like it's not even a viable option to have this business anymore. Well, that's why, well, that's why I said is that if you, <coughs> if you want to get into the video game market, and especially like retro gaming and stuff like that, you're doing it because you have a passion for it. Right. You're not doing it to get rich. No. Or you're already rich and you have the backing to do it. Or maybe that's the case. Because <laughs> there are people that's, that, uh, yeah, they're, it's a good hobby for them, 
but they've got the money because they're a doctor or something like that, so they don't have to worry as much about the overhead. Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> you know what you're talking about, Paul. That's why I almost feel like, in a weird way, I that, that video game exchange, I can kind of see why they did what they did. It's like, with that kind of business, you have to find this product for as dirt cheap as it... It's not yes. etiquette. By any means is it etiquette no. for, for that market, but I can see the mentality. So I will say that as far as as I've heard before, is that where people can get their their like where they can get their their goods for for selling their product is that yes, it will be a a, a conglomeration of going to rubbish sales, going to flea markets, looking on eBay and looking on on online auctions for, for just like for lots. just lots. Lots of like fifty or a hundred uh, NES games or something like that. Making sure, and they're gonna have to sift through to make sure that seventy-five percent of that isn't just sports games that are just gonna clog up their their really? supply. Um, but I think the difference is, is that yes, maybe the video game exchange they did something that is just their way that they have to be able to to keep their product going. But if that's the case. Don't frickin' tweet it, and don't <laughs> don't post it on Facebook. That look at what I found at at St. Vinny's. This look the the St. Vinny's hunt, and and you show all of these bins of stuff that you're going through. Like, don't don't brag, advertise. Don't it. brag and advertise that you really cheated the system because that's what's going to then cause people to get mad at you yeah. and say, no, that was a dick thing to do. Like I said, it wasn't exactly the proper etiquette for that. Market, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I can, I can. And see I'm that. sorry, I've been in video game exchange before. Well, obviously, we have we been have. in video game exchange before. There. The guy didn't need to do that. He no. didn't have to do that. He's got plenty of stuff. In fact, there was. A, I remember one of the very first times that we went in there, and half the shit wasn't even for sale. <laughs> Inquired about a, a stack up that was complete with the uh, with all the pieces with the box. And I said, how much is the stack up? He's like, well, it's not really for sale. I mean, you don't really see it too often with the pieces and the box. And if I sell it, I'm probably not going to get another one. I'm like, then why do you put it in the frickin' front of the store right by the cash register where everybody can see it if you don't want to sell it? What a jackass. And to, be, <laughs> and to be quite honest, too, which I didn't find out until I actually bought the first copy of stack up I ever bought was card only. It was at Game Crazy. For $7.99. And I realized that that moment, that game is worthless by itself. Oh, yeah. It is worthless. You can't do anything. It's like buying the Super Scope 6 or the Menacer without the Menacer or the Super Scope. Exactly. You need Rob and you need the pieces in order to get the most out of it. So when he says, oh, you rarely see the game with all the pieces, it's like, no, that's because you need to have the pieces for it. (laughs) We we do have the pieces, right? I understand that, but it's a point of fucking matter. I'm asking you, we have the pieces, right? Yes, we do. (laughs) Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was we, about to say. No, we totally do. Although <laughs> we totally do. <clears throat> I actually thinking about it nowadays with like um, the way three D printing's come. I up, was actually thinking that. I wonder you could probably you could, make your own. You could make replacement parts by three D printing them. That's not the same. Let's let's not let's not get into that. That's like getting it. That's like getting into repro shit. No, no, no. <laughs> now we're getting crazy with this three D technology shit. This three D printing. But, um, it's your fault you can't keep up with times, old man. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Yeah, why are you so old? Well, it's funny because even with the repro, like the repro uprising, 
those games are still pretty much retaining their value. Even with the... Re- like, Earthbound is still pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite as expensive as it used to be, but, I mean, was that a result of the repro market? Not necessarily. Like, mm-hmm. Hagani, technically you could make a repro card of, mm-hmm. and that game will still go for fucking six or seven hundred dollars. No, 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 it's like four or four seventy-five. Uh, maybe. We'll look it up. I'm, I'm gonna look it up. But uh, that's actually, and it's it's interesting to me because it, mm-hmm. it got me thinking about, about getting stock and stuff. So when I bought my Panzer Dragoon Saga, Mm-hmm. Right for four hundred at that one, at the one of the classics, I swear to God that had to be the only copy we saw at the time. That year it actually we was. really no. didn't see that game no. at all. No, but now I've noticed over the past few years that game has been coming out of the woodworks like crazy. Even Little Samson, like we no, never saw Little Samson, no. but now all of a sudden, damn near every booth has a Little Samson, and in that's it. because when the prices get to a certain point. It's it's no different than stocks, where when it gets to a certain point, so you bought it at this really low price, and you're like, I know this is a rare game, I'm going to hold on to it until it gets to a certain point, and then I'm going to sell it. And like a stock, you wait until it gets to a certain point, and then once it hits that point, then everybody is like, okay, now's the time, i got to sell it. But then what they don't realize that they're doing, they're inadvertently clogging the market with that game and then nobody's going to sell it and then because and then because they're not selling they're like okay i couldn't get twelve hundred dollars for it so i'm gonna lower it to eleven hundred well i can't even get eleven hundred for it because there's everybody else is selling it i'm gonna put mine down nine hundred and then that's when you see that price in dip that dip in the price because now there's too many in the market and then once it starts to 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 cool down once people are like okay fine it's nine hundred dollars like no, I'm going to wait until it goes back up again. Then they get pulled off of the market, and then all of a sudden people can't find them anymore, so therefore, well, now it's, okay, it's getting up to, uh, like, I'm going to buy it for $1,300 because I can't find it anywhere else. And then people are going to see that, and then it starts that whole circle all over again. Well, and then you sort of touch on it there is it would not surprise me if there are some very unethical people who intentionally... Alter the market to make more of a profit. Oh yeah, somebody who just goes around and buys every copy. Well, they'll purposely they'll they'll get as many copies as they can, and they will sit on them and and do it. And anytime they can find yep. another copy, they will snatch it up just so it artificially raises the price. It does because yeah. you you are artificially uh, making a product scarce or something like that. I've actually heard stories where because um, obviously with like Magic the Gathering. Um, there is like a, because uh, they they grade uh, the condition of of cards, sort right, of right. comics and stuff, yeah, like, like comics that. and stuff. And there was a, a Gemmin Ten, which is like the best condition card it could be, and it was Black Lotus, and it sold for like a hundred and some odd thousand dollars. How does something get a Gemmin Ten? Basically, it's it's there's appraisers for there's appraisers yeah there's appraisers who do yeah but no no I I go is that possible it's almost as if it comes right off of the assembly line and gets pushed straight into a sealed case it basically got pulled from a pack someone put it into a hard case and left it and that's yeah but how why would you put it in a case like because I would assume when you bought the magic like the the booster pack. That had the Black Lotus in it. Well, you didn't realize at the time because there that was were actually what? people back then, even when I first started playing Magic, that they were, they they were buying had, them just for those Black Lotus. Well, not just that. They had two sets. 
They had a complete set, right? And then they had a play set. We did it with Pokemon, kind of. Yeah. So, yeah. like, there were people that had <clears throat> cards that came out that they never touched because they were part of a "I have this entire set." Yeah. But anyway, and that's where those ones, the, the high grade ones, come from. But anyways, I mean, granted, yeah, the temptation to use shit like that would be. The story of the Black Lotus is is similar in in that Nintendo that sold the Nintendo lot that sold for fifteen thousand dollars. So what I had heard is that now what because there's so much money in magic cards uh, is that basically these high dollar investors like multi million dollar like people who who have millions of dollars they're buying up all of the original sets like alpha and beta because they say well we're going to take them all off the market we're going to collect everything that we can so that now people have to turn to later sets and then once they're they're going to a later set we'll then start selling off what we have because they're going to go at a premium because people can't find them anymore and it's the same thing with like why like pokemon cards like the base box why it continues to go up in price if you find an unopened box is because the second you open up that box and you open up all those packs of cards, that's one less sealed box that's out there. Right. So they're just not out there anymore because they're not making them anymore. But I feel like the idea with that Black Lotus is it, the only people who would even spend that money would be investors. It's not clearly anybody who's going to play a game. Nope. You know, it, it's no one. That, it's not a, somebody that has to keep up with the sets to to play standard or whatever. But guess what? As long as Magic keeps going, and as long as Magic is still the most popular of the trading card games that are out there still. There's always going to be a market for that card. Well, and then there are certain collectors that do it for like that sort of like prestige of oh look what I have. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I suppose yeah, I do that. The bragging rights. I do that with my RPG collections. Well, yeah, but I actually we, play them. Yeah, so we yeah. do. Well, that, I mean, yeah, we see, do there's that with, also with video there is a slight yeah. difference between yeah. the two because the value of yours, like RPG, like because they're a digital thing, they won't degrade the same way a card will. Right. Mm -hmm. So you like yours, like. You could have those games, and twenty years from now, it, like if they still like the, you don't scratch them to hell and stuff like that, they'll still have value unless if like the market just decides they're no longer. Yeah. Whereas like a card, say I have it and I play and I keep playing Magic and I'm using that card. Well, that card so twenty years, and... twenty years from now is gonna look like shit. I mean, have mm -hmm. you seen like twenty year old playing cards from oh, like yeah. magicians and stuff like that? Oh yeah. They're yeah. garbage. They become like like flimsy little mm -hmm. like. Coasters at that they're, point. They're like sticky too. Stock. Yeah, that means cardstock. Yeah, so yeah. like, like they wear yeah. out at different rates. So mm -hmm. like, the values adjust. Yep. I wonder how much like a scuffed up Black Lotus would even be worth. Like one that's just not in super pristine condition. A couple thousand, I'm guessing. But I mean, even that, yeah. it's. I'd say low end, couple hundred. Well, either way, but it, but I'm I'm just saying though, it's like it, it's. I mean, as long as ways... it's not like creased up the middle or chunk missing out They're of like somebody like, bent it in half and yeah, got a hot ways, dog out of it. Or put it on their car, their bike like <laughs> for a spoke. But there are ways that people can artificially right. create the market for something because if you take a... And I've actually had this idea before of like taking something that's so not rare or something like that or people don't consider rare and just trying to buy up every piece of it that I can so that I'm like, well, well, if somebody, if somebody, no, 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 because I was actually thinking about this, because, so, <laughs> first of all, it's got to be something people want. <laughs> so here's the thing. Yeah, but see, that's so, the thing is, if you can influence the market to where that starts disappearing, people are going to have a different perception of it. Back when I was collecting Star Wars stuff, 
there was one figure in particular that I absolutely loved because I loved what they did with it. It was a 2002 Toy Fair, like the New York Toy Fair exclusive that they gave away, or you could buy it there. But it was a, uh, like a silver finished uh, Darth Vader. And the, he was holding the lightsaber, and the lightsaber actually even protruded out of the bubble. They put a hole in the bubble so that the lightsaber could come out. Oh, cool. It's a really smooth-looking figure. That figure, when it first came out, was around like $200. And it peaked probably at around $325 to $350. Well, I knew, I was like, that's way too expensive. I'm never going to own this in my lifetime, like because I'm not going to spend that much money on it. I ended up years later, and I'm talking like 10, 15 years later. No, more like 10 years later. I, I realized, I'm like, you know what? I Because I was out of Star Wars, and I'm like, you know what? The collecting market just isn't what it used to be. I wonder if that figure is still as expensive as it was. Well, guess what? It wasn't. It was down to like 40 or 50 bucks on average. Some were even wow. going as low as like $30. And I'm like, back in the day, like this was like the holy grail of like the modern Star Wars figures. So then I started thinking, well, you know what? Why don't I just like at 50 bucks a pop? Why don't I just buy every one that I see? Because then eventually people are going to be like, well, where the hell did that figure go? And then every once in a while you put one on there and then all of a sudden watch it go for three, four, or five hundred dollars. I suppose. So I mean, say that, to be honest, that's how the entire stock market works, anyways. That's I mean, pure speculation yeah. based on how can I alter people's perceptions of value. Mm-hmm. This is like the shadiest shit I've oh, no. ever heard in my life. I've never, I've never done it before. No, I know Don't that. get me wrong, but it's extremely shady. How do you think that's the only reason capitalism stays afloat? <laughs> it's the worst yeah. idea ever. Yes, isn't it, it is. They'd be like taking a game like The Immortal. Yeah. And buying just up buy every. What's to stop someone from just destroying well, every and, copy? And that's the other. That is another but. way people actually influence stuff. Is if other copies are not worth like don't have the same value they're damaged or they're not like complete you alter the price of them that way too yeah so you but, can like literally remove stuff from circulation to but, jack up prices but remember though is that there's more to it than just taking something out of the market the immortal there was a lot of copies of that granted right. maybe you can get your hands on every single one of them but there was a lot of copies but two what is what does a person want more? Do they want the immortal or do they want the Legend of Zelda? Right. They want the Legend of Zelda. They don't want that. So as long as you may have the supply, but as long as there's no demand for it, you're still not going to get anything, even if you artificially create that market for it. Someone wanting the whole collection's going to pay for it. Well, I mean, there's always ways to to alter things like that, but it seems like such a risky time, piece of shit. Yeah, oh, it, oh, it's oh, it's super risky. The time and the super risk, risky. like the the risk reward, is probably not worth. It's it. not. Yeah, the return on investment is probably it's so low that it's it's really not worth the time that you would be putting into it. But that's kind of what like that whole I, that whole thing with like Panzer Dragoon Saga and Little Samson kind of reminds me of. Mm -hmm. It's oh, like yeah. where did these come from when we? When these were three hundred dollars, it's because it hit that "quote unquote" sweet spot where everybody's like, "All right, now's the time." They think it's at the top of the hill, so now I gotta sell it. I gotta get rid of it so that I can maximize my profits. Well, or the other thing is, like I said before, well, is okay. I have this game, and they have another game I want that's starting to go up in price, like Magic Knight Ray Earth. If it was one you were looking for, fuck and you, had, you right and you now, had, and you had like a second copy of something that's like equal value. 
and you trade that, and all of a sudden, like, there's more copies of that one now and less of the other one. Yeah. But it's it's funny to me because... What was I going to say? Um, oh, you were right, by the way. Hagani, 450 Oh. Yeah, uh-huh. you were right. $450. Um, no, Magic Knight Ray Earth now, $450. Oh, yeah. oh you looked it up? Damn I it. sure did. I was going to look, like look it up days. just to mess with you. No, <laughs> I mean, I, like, a good example is, remember how hard it was for us to find Xenosaga? Or the Dot yeah. Hack GU. Well, Xenosaga was was a hard one to find because that was a GameStop exclusive. It was. But then but when no, it Xenos- magically resurfaced. Xenosaga? No, it oh, wasn't. I'm, sorry, I'm thinking Xenoblade Chronicles. Xenosaga, the PS2. Yeah, arc. you're right. Remember, when we were looking for that in Dot Hack yeah. GU, we couldn't find them anywhere. Shin Megami Nocturne. And then look what happened as soon as we ended up going, we got them all. What, six months later, all of a sudden we were seeing them everywhere? You could go to two stores and complete the whole four-game yep. run. I or three-game yeah. run or whatever. Almost everywhere we went, we used to see Nocturne. Yeah. But it was like 40 bucks, 50 bucks, and then all of a sudden it's like... It you disappeared, saw it. and they were super expensive. And yeah. Then, and now they're like a 10, 15 And now complete. they're 15 bucks, because everybody, it hit that it hit that point where they're like, all right, we got to sell it, and now you flooded the market. And so in people's brashness to be greedy, to try to maximize their profits, they literally lose everything because now you've flooded and, the market. And that's how, like, collector bubbles burst. Exactly. Because it's... Like, again, it's all perception. If if the entire group agrees that X product has a value of Y, and like we're all just trying to achieve that, the moment we all say, "Okay, let's all get out and back away and get like unload those copies," well, it's no longer worth Y because there are now double the number of copies. That's why I love the history of comic books and comic yeah. book speculation, where the bubble burst. In in the mid nineties, Superman with the death of Superman. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this. Everybody thought that with the death of Superman, this is going to be a monumental issue. People were lining down the street because they wanted the black because they want and... yes because they wanted that copy because if they could buy like ten copies of that, then guess what? One day those are going to be worth so much money. I'm going to have a nest egg and I'm going to put my kids through college. And what they didn't remember, what they didn't know, or what they failed to see is that. Action Comics number one at the time had gone for like a hundred thousand dollars. Action Comics number one came out in nineteen thirty-nine. When How many comics, good copies were when comics and... were disposable and they were meant to be read and then thrown away. And what was the first thing that went during World War Two to help the war efforts? People donated paper that they didn't want. They donated supplies. They threw away a lot of copies of that comic book. So there's just not that many issues of it. Well, the comic book companies knew that, hey, this is a monumental thing. People are wanting this. Guess what? We're going to publish probably like a limited amount of them. And by limited, we mean until, until we <laughs> run out of the limit, we're going we're gonna to sell them. Well, or they do it the other way is, okay, this is a, this is a, and a, like a, a, a monumental, monumental issue. Yeah. Let's do 12 different variant covers. Exactly. Well, guess what? Now that comic is no longer that collectible yeah. because there are 12 fucking different covers. You can't make a collectible out of something if you call it collectible and you're intending it to be collectible. Yeah. Usually the collectibles are something that people want from their childhood that they never would have assumed would ever have been collectible yeah. at some point. And so when people try to sell their copies of Death of Superman, they're like, "Well, wait a minute. Why am I not getting? Why am I not getting hundreds of thousands of dollars?" Well, it's because everybody who wanted one got a copy, and everybody who wanted to sell one is now selling it, and nobody can sell it because you flooded the market with yeah. it. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Dennis, it's a real fickle market. Oh it's, God, it's the the whole speculator bubble and all that stuff. It's I find it so fascinating. Well, it's funny because I feel like uh, with retro collecting, it, we're still in. I feel like it comes in waves, it, it and does. we haven't even hit the crest yet. No, of that well, first wave because you got to remember retro collecting. This is the first time in our history that retro collecting of mm. video games has been a thing. I don't... Because, I mean, Atari's not collectible. No, And well, Coleco's not collectible. And television's not collectible. Nintendo is. Yeah. Yeah. We grew up in the advent of video game as an industry. Mm -hmm. Of video games as an industry. That's and I true. think we're just now... That's true. ...starting to hit the top of the wave. So it's like... It's it's almost hard to say how this is going to play out if Little Samson would ever be a fifty dollar title mm -hmm. because we're still climbing that first mountain. You know well, what I mean? And yeah. another issue with that is too is it'll be very generational based. Oh, absolutely. Because those that are younger than <laughs> us, when they get to like our age currently, mm -hmm. they're not going to be collecting the NES stuff. They're going to be collecting PS One. PS2, yeah. and then that, I mean, because those are already considered retro at this point. Yes, there are yeah. how many console generations behind? Like, those are part of the retro market. Well, Not to mention all the handheld games. Like, and, I, guess everybody, I guess everybody's definition of what retro is is the, different, but why, to that's, me, my definition is that as long as you cannot get a game through the mainstream distribution, like, you can't just go to, to Target and get a PS3 game anymore. So, you can't go on the PSN and get yeah. Saga Frontier. So to me, I would even consider PS3 is now at this point, it's retro. Well, I think anything, I'd say two generations or more back is what I would consider retro. So, so PS2 back backwards? Yeah. I honestly I honestly think that yeah, everybody's, everybody's right, I mean, in their, yeah. in their own way. Well, and see, and that's so. the biggest problem but, is, it's, <clears throat> there is no defined mark of this is what makes retro right retro mm -hmm. just literally means old it's, it's 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 an established it's an established uh definition that really doesn't have like but a strong the, but see, that's the thing mean, is, 90s is considered retro now that, and that's the problem yeah. like it's not really it's an established it's commonly, but it's, it's commonly, not established commonly that's the problem. commonly accepted but never proven yeah but it's a, it's a, it's a common vernacular yes. but it's not an actual hard line there's no way yeah there's no hard line there's no way to say it I mean, Cause like, if you'd go to like our grandparents and ask them what would be retro for them, a stick in a hoop, it's something completely different than what would be retro for even for our parents. Mm -hmm. So, a game like, of jacks. Do you guys even know how to play the actual yeah, game of jacks? Of course they do. And um, who who was it? Somebody had said that. I I, I swear to God, That's maybe why you it was to get a, the good super bomb. Maybe it was a stand. It was a stand up <laughs> comedy, but they said basically. We are now in the day and age where kids do not even know what jacks are anymore. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm just like, I, yeah, I grew up on jacks. Like, you, you throw the ball, you try to scoop them all up, and you got to catch the ball. Yep. How many how many, oh, marbles. How many bags of marbles do you oh. see for sale? You know what? No. That aren't oh. in fish tanks. You want to go real yogurt. retro? Fucking pogs. Pogs, baby! <laughs> pogs are coming back. They and we're not talking about the porn version, Pogs. What? P A W G S. It's in porn. Badass white girls. Pogs. Yeah, kind of. P H A. P A W G S. They're called what's pogs. A, what's a pog? P A W G S. Yeah. What's a pog? I don't. It's a fat ass white girl. Pretty much a thicker, a fat thicker ass honey. white girl. 
But it's P H A T. Oh, fat ass. but they spell it P H O. Fat yeah. ass white girl. Wow. Pogs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're not talking about those pogs. We're talking about pogs with the metal slammers that you had to slam onto the stack, and then That's everything right. you turned over, you got for Boom, keeps. It was yours for keeps. Boom! It went out faster than pogs. That was solid for like six months. It literally, I don't even think it made it six months. <laughs> it was like three months. Tech decks it was lasted just, longer than. Oh pogs. my fucking god! The tech decks. <laughs> and then when they tried to make the tech I type, hated the those things. Come on, you oh, guys. Oh, they did the bikes they did in. The the figure they did the BMX bike version too, guys. I this just, isn't the nostalgia episode. I just remember in middle but school, it's retro kids who would be playing like, "Oh, watch this! I could do an ollie," and they're like doing it with the thing, and I'm Hold just like, "Hold on a second! Hold on a second! Hold on a second! Yeah, yeah." Or they're trying to do a kickflip, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, just wait! I, I, I got it! I got it! No, I, I get it!" And I'm just Hang like, on a second. "I'm like, <laughs> I could skate better with my fingers than I could." Can on you? A uh, <laughs> can you do that on a real skateboard? Nah, I didn't fucking think so. Yeah, I could do a Tony Hawk, though. That makes me awesome. I, I could do, do the 900! <laughs> Over 900! A 1080. Oh, God, a 1080. Or it would be 1060. 10, 10, 10, no, it would be a 12... I don't know what the fuck it is. There was a game called 1080. Yeah, it, yeah. it would be 1080, because yeah. 900 and then add 180. 180. It's, yeah, 1440. Anyways. But anyway, so to go back to what you were saying about how the next generation's retro... I don't think they're necessarily going to hit a retro bubble like we are. Why? Well, because how yeah. accessible are those games always going to be? Not, but see, that's not necessarily like. But the big problem is too, like, okay, so there are games like PS2, original Xbox that we adore. Guess what games you can't get digital? Yeah. It's all the ones we liked. But mm -hmm. that's exactly what you just said. Digital. Digital. Guess where the next generation of consoles is, is going. Yeah. Purely digital. digital. There's no product anymore. Yeah. No. You're not going to be able to buy physical, which means they're not going to hit a retro nostalgia that we have and no. the not bubble it, we're currently in. It might not, not the be same, the same, but it will still kind. be there. Not the I same don't think kind. so. It's an always shifting thing. Guys, that's that's part of the thing. Even when like PS5, PS6, or whatever, if they still <laughs> stick yeah. with that theme, go... Another, I mean, how old's the Nintendo now? It was 1985, so it's like 34 years old. Shift another 40 years past the PS5, you're not going to find those games at all. No. Nobody's going to be holding on to a PS5 for 40 years. You don't know and that, though. You don't even know if it'll plug into the TVs anymore. Well, you your know NES I mean? won't. It still does. There's still a cable jack. There are there. TVs that don't have those anymore. Yeah, though. there are TVs that don't have the. My 4K TV yeah. does yeah. not have the input for that stuff anymore. But they also make the Retron systems, which are which have updated. But and that's things. and that's the thing is that'll be the new that will be the new retro is these all-in-one systems. Mm -hmm. But I still don't think that's going to quite encapsulate the kind of retro no, collecting that we have. But see, that's the thing is retro collection will but, be different but, for every yeah, generation. And that's, there is no about, defined thing for I was it. just about to say that's that. That's the biggest problem. For us, this. it was video games. For somebody else... Okay, so take this. Um, so, pop figures. Pop figures, yeah. You see them all over the fucking There's place. literally thousands. There are literally thousands of them. I thought for sure that these things were the next Beanie Babies because they were going to go out so fast and be done. They seem to be chugging along. They seem to be doing fine. That's because well, they what? can make them out of anything. Exactly. But I have a feeling that come 15, 20 years, well, you remember that, that six-year-old who really wanted that pop figure that he couldn't get and then he couldn't find it in stores anymore. Well, actually, 10 years old because then he's got the foresight to actually 
try to find it. Anyways, <laughs> you can't find that that figure. So 20 years from now, it's like, hey, he's got the disposable income. It's like, hey, you know what? I remember when I, I couldn't find that figure. I want it now. And so he goes out, he buys it, and now all of a sudden, pops are even more like of a of a commodity than they are now. So I mean it's it's a different collection for different people. Us, yes, I was I'm talking was... purely video games though cuz you're still talking about a physical product. I'm talking if you're if these games are going to start going the direction of digital, there's nothing to collect anymore. No, there's not. And like well, I said, nobody's going to collect the no. entire library on one PS6 and wait 30 years and then sell it on eBay or whatever the big conglomerate is for selling things for $20,000 no, sure, that has sure. everything on it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's not going to happen. So it's no, like, I don't see, think collecting in the future is going to be like the collecting we have now. Like I said, it'll shift. Because at that point, at the, collecting now is less about the hardware and more about the games. Right. So, and then but in the future, it might shift where it's less about the games and more about the nostalgic hardware. Actually, so somebody's going to go out and buy six PS6s? Actually, no. That doesn't no, no, make no, no, any no, no, sense. No. Dude, Here's... go look at those people who have arcades in their basement. Yes. But that's different. That's a different physical product. I no, Every product because, is different. No, because now, I, now that's where I think that it, it could shift to. Because now they do those arcade one-up machines and stuff right. like that. People collect it's those. It's a board, but it's it's also a full size cabinet. They're not full size. Actually. Well, not not full they're size. Like, they're, they're like they're like a four foot. It's four foot. Yeah, it's actually it's, those, it's there's a name for it. Yeah, it's yeah. like a shorty machine or something like that. It's yeah, they're not, not a coffee table machine. No, no it's not they're bigger. Table. They're yeah, they yeah, stand yeah. up to like my chin. Yeah. yeah, they're like it's not a bar one either. Is it a, a bar machine? No. No, no, those are the ones that sit on top of yeah, the Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like a slot machine. These are the, yeah, I know what right, they're like about. four feet tall. But yeah, they're four feet tall. You can actually get a riser for them so that they'll, like they'll actually... Tall. Yeah, they'll they actually sell them at Costco. <laughs> oh, do they really? Oh, yeah. GameStop oh, nice. sells them. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, but with those <coughs> things... So, people may not be collecting video games from the PS6. Well, retro companies are still going to be producing like those arcade machines and we don't even know what the next thing is that they can possibly go back to that's retro maybe they're going to start doing all of these different like the mini systems like the genesis is going to keep on going or like uh then you're going to have like the, the, the ps2 classic the ps2 classic the ps3 classic you could do all these different things and then people are going to then buy those and collect those and then that's what's going to be traded but I mean, but I don't think scale, it's, it's I feel not. Like, it's not going to be at the scale that it is now. No, like it truly is not. That's why I'm saying the 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 collecting aspect of it is going to be so vastly different that I don't think it's going to quite hit the kind of idea that we're in it, right now. It but won't. See, you're also looking at the collecting of the next thing as an outsider, as opposed to the collecting the stuff you do now as an insider. Do you view collecting comics the same way you view collecting like? Retro games, absolutely. I do, but see, I most people don't. Do. They view them as two very different types of collections. I don't see how it's any different because you're still collecting something like physical. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know what I mean. How often of your collection of comics, Paul, of like the important ones, do you ever touch? I mean, I have them in bags and boards, but every comic, regardless of whether it is the most expensive comic I own or the cheapest comic I own, I've read them at least one time. Now compare them to the rarest NES games. What? How many times have you touched the two of them in comparison? I've probably played the games a lot more. Exactly. Yeah. But the games are a lot more durable. Yeah. But it, that's the scene. That's the thing. Is like it. The type of collecting will shift. 
you can't like do you like okay what about collecting beanie babies do you view it the same way yeah, absolutely but like to yeah. somebody <laughs> well, I'm seeing that's the thing is you're viewing it like it's something you're not interested in so you are not going to view it in the same light as the stuff you like to collect but I'm going on the fact I know, that you're you just have going, something to collect. You're just going off of video games, and you have something to collect. Because Why? in the future, if something, if this, if this mark is going pure digital, you're no longer collecting one thing. You know what I mean? You're not going to a convention to find a little Samson. You're not going to a convention to find this or these. It's it's now everything. There is nothing to find anymore. Even with these arcade cabinets, are you are, are you, you telling me they're gonna come in in the future of games? Like, let's say, are are we gonna see a Borderlands three machine come out? It's possible. I don't. I find that highly, highly unlikely. See, I don't. So, but because like, as technology like that gets more impressive to compact shit, it'll be a ROM. So so here's. But it's still a physical thing you're collecting. I. I I think you're you're really sticking on this whole gung ho like the the future is like there's no video games anymore. No, no, I, there's video games, but I don't think the collecting aspect of what we're, we're in now is ever going to be. We're already establishing that that's again. that that's not going to be done again. I don't think it's right. going to be replicated in the future. I mean, you've got game companies like Limited Run who specialize in making retro type games right. in the retro type fashion where it comes in a cartridge in a box with an instruction booklet. There's always going to be a market for that, I think. And there's going to be people who make these retro games. Yes, it's yeah. not going to be like what we have now, but it's still always going to be there. But, and it's, you make but, it sound like it's not going to be there anymore. But my... My point is, yes, they can make these. What are you going to play it on? In it, let, if if everything's going pure digital, there's no slot for a cartridge. There's nothing for a Blu-ray. What are these? What is Limited Run going to print physically to give you? Then the next step would nothing. be to print off, or well, not be... print off, to make their own system, their own version of that system. Because that's worked so well for companies well, lately. Well, there's been a lot of. How's that Ouya doing? Oh, shut up! <laughs> yeah, but that's the Atari but, VCS. But that's kind of the way I think of it. But see, but that's the yeah. biggest problem again. Is you're still comparing apples and oranges, yeah. and you're 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 expecting to one type of collection to expand over all forms of collecting, and it does not work. But I feel like you guys are trying to turn oranges into apples. No, I'm if, just saying if, I don't want you're to. Trying so to I'm just trying to say I don't want oranges in my apple basket. <laughs> so, with, so with the so with the PlayStation Five, yes, have they announced that it's not going to have a disc drive? I honestly don't know. I isn't everything still very preliminary with next gen? Well, I, they'll still. My guess is still use Blu-ray for you still have like the first fifty to hundred gig on a disc. And I'm pretty sure they announced backwards compatibility was a thing. Yeah, with but. That's what I'm saying, is that, at least for right now, there's not a system that has no slot, because it's Not old. yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But 40 years in the future... Maybe. But it might shift... Maybe. At that point, too, it could also maybe. Shift, shift to exactly. micro SD maybe. style, or like maybe Switch style things. carts, where it's just a, a smaller base <clears throat> with just a tiny little thing, and you're good to go. Or, or it's all going to be this. Your phone? Yeah. Because the, the rate at which the technology improves... 
you, it's it's exponential growth. Like it's going to just keep getting better and better. I mean, look at how powerful my phone is compared to even like a PS3 and stuff like that. Right, and mm -hmm. I understand that. But it goes back to my point. What are you going to collect? The next generation of collectors. What are they going to collect? That's that's going to be like what we have. There isn't. As far as video games are concerned, and that's what I'm trying to say. I still think we're PS1, agreeing with you. I still think we are, it doesn't sound like we are agreeing with you that it will never be the same. It's what going, more do you want? It won't be the same, but it's still going to exist. That's the thing. It's, it's going it, to be well, different. It may still exist in one form or another, but you're right. We are conceding to you right now. What do you want from me? It doesn't. I don't think it will exist at all. Video games are going to be disposable like the comics in the 30s. Play it and forget it. You mean they're not like Like a meal. You mean they're not like that? I eat it, I poop it, and then forget it. I eat it, I poop it next game. You mean they're not already like that? God, I think what's going to happen is you're going to put it into your mouth. I'm gonna it's going to head. be downloaded into your head so that you can play that game whenever you want. You poop it out, and then you get the next one because they have the spike. Flush down the toilet. Look at all these games. Fuck, I clocked it. You got an SD slot on my tongue. <laughs> oh, God. Well, good. I'm glad I got my point across. Well, you... Oh, my God. You kept circling around, and I'm like, I think that's where the, no, the disconnect neck was coming from I'm like we're, we're admitting you're right it's not gonna be the same and then we try to jump forward and you're like no 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 you're not getting what I'm saying <laughs> it felt it's like not gonna be the same it felt like you guys were trying to tell me no that, yes, we they're weren't. going to oh there will God. always be some form of retro collection the only thing is it will be a different form it That's will the only thing. it'll be a different form it will never be like this it's gonna be something but else. then uh, collecting these is not the same as collecting comics it's not the same as collecting beanie babies or action figures that's where i disagree i feel like it's it, collecting now is it you can collect anything but how do you collect something you can't actually hold so yes because now you're talking about like comic books where they're going digital too you can't, but I, I guarantee you, Somebody there, is, buy it, I there is always going to be something to collect. I guarantee you there will always you never know. be My something. My small heart, like a small hard drive might be worth millions someday. A small, a small hard drive. Because of what's on it. Because if, if the physical medium is gone, the data still has value. Yeah. Even if you don't agree, it doesn't like that. Because like your whole thing is, okay, yeah, these. These chips will stop working at some point. I don't believe you. I object. I object. <laughs> Bullshit. You ever see, you, have you tried running a computer from like the late 70s? Still works. They do not. How works. do you think George R.R. Martin writes the rest of his stories? His My parents, a, Tandy 1000, still works. This is in the 80s. The older chipsets, they actually no, start to degrade yeah, due to no, the electricity going through them. Yep, yep, so at yep. some point in the future, even these carts will not work. If they not haven't died in my 35 years, they'd never die. Not my lifetime or not. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Yeah, there will come a time where these will just eventually well, stop. And then there's right. the other thing is like... I'm hoping we're a, dead by that. There, there will come a point to. where you're not going to get replacement parts for your system yeah. either. But that's where these these cartridges live on is through the fact that they're making like the Retrons and the Polymegas even now that are going to come out. But yeah. like, and like, yeah, even shifting to like, say everything does go pure digital. 
at some point on the company end, they're not going to want to host the servers for this stuff anymore. Exactly. So the people that have the collections digitally, like, like just say, like, okay, I have a collection of the entire NES library on a thumb drive. Now, what? let's say something happens and it gets to the point where NES collections no longer work. My digital collection will be worth value because there will people be people who want that information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like that type, it will shift from a less of mm-hmm. a a tangible value to a more of an abstract value. Actually, repros might save the might save the idea and of retro collecting. And that's where, yeah, repros. I think it will get to the point where. Modern systems will have like a, a drive because yeah. they'll be more of a PC, like directly more of just a it's a PC flat out. I don't know if it'll necessarily be PC, but like you had kind of said that eventually there's going to be a generation that don't give a fuck about NES games anymore. Yeah. So it's like, but I feel like there. Well, you never know. There there might be. Well, and then and then <clears> that's <throat> the idea that information has value. So yeah. at some point, so digital just, digital information yeah. will have and, become a currency. Yeah, and here's the thing too: is that when to kind of piggyback on your point of when the server shut down, then the people who have already downloaded that information, it's on their Look on at their PT. That's PT. literally what I just looked up. Yeah. Look at PT. That the system still sell for like four hundred dollars is what they're they're trying to get for it because you can't get that game now, anymore. Like, and I this will, is your only chance now, to get I it. I will now. agree with you, the games that will like be completely valueless are the ones that require online authentication or multiplayer only. Mm-hmm. Which I feel once those games will fuck everything over, they will be useless. Once everything goes digital anyway, I feel like that's kind of the direction it's going. You're no, going I, to need some sort of connection, and once that server's gone, those games no longer exist. I think there will still be the the need until the world gets much, much better. In like there are places in the U.S. that aren't much better than dial-up at this point still. Right, right. So until the entire world is on like fiber optic and higher internet speeds, that's never going to be an issue. No. And because agreed, that probably won't be for quite some time. (laughs) So, I mean, there will always be something that will change. Even if it's not a direct, like, supported market, there will be some sort of aftermarket for it. Look at the prevalency of pirating that happened when PC games started putting in DRMs. I don't know what that means. It's a digital (laughs) digital rights management, so it's basically an anti-cheat and an anti-theft thing. Oh, kind of like how the PS3 and the Vita wouldn't allow you to stream. Yeah, or look at like Diablo 3, where on the PC, it requires you to be connected to their server at all times. Right. Whereas on like PS4 and stuff like that, you can play offline with no connection required. Mm -hmm. So when games started pushing, like companies started, and um, publishers started pushing DRMs, the amount of pirating for games on PC skyrocketed because they fucked with how well games played. Right. So people found ways of pirating them, removing them, and distributing them for free just to spite these companies. <laughs> so at some point it might shift over to a a secondhand almost like black market of I'm trading this illegally to like other people because that's how we get what we want. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I don't know, man. The future is a scary place. I was going to say, at this point, like, I, and that's why I refuse to say that there's going to be, like, nothing to collect or there's going to be no type of physical 
media or video games because you never know. Mm-hmm. You never I mean, like things that are for out. Fuck's sake, people collect corpses. Well, I, it's more so the fact that taxidermy. That dude. There's, well, oh, yeah, 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 taxidermy things. I suppose, think but there are ones for people too. <clears throat> yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah, just a little. Um, <laughs> but it's just. I mean, there are things out now that I never would have dreamed about as, as a yeah. kid. Mm-hmm. I, I never would have dreamed about or thought about it as a kid. Pop figures never would have ever thought about that. I never even, even thought of hanging on to my X Men figures. Oh because, yeah, I mean, even that because yeah. I didn't think they would I, like. When you're that age, you don't have the foresight to say, "Yeah, this will have some amount of value, of value. to me." Mm-hmm. Clearly, some people did if they bought a playset and a collection set. Well, some people yeah. did, but see, that's some people are also fucking weird. So yeah. we don't <laughs> we don't count those people among mm-hmm. the normals. I don't know. That's why part of me thinks that. Any of these, any of the next gen systems going pure digital, I, I honestly can't see that happening. I, I, I for some Not reason, I don't. Yet. Think that would happen? I, I, I think going pure digital, like I said, it's not going to be until everyone is on fiber no, or better. It's yeah. Because I mean, it'll basically be everyone is running on, or like it'd be like Ghost in the Shell, where literally everyone's connected to the internet basically twenty four seven, whether they have a device or not. <laughs> Because wasn't didn't Steam come out with a console, a Steam box? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Well, Which they was were pretty much just a, it was just a medium to stream. They were Steam just games they, on they your were just like a low end PC that you could just stream stuff yeah. on their servers. But yeah. kind of like the Ouya, yeah. that thing failed. Yes, yeah, horrible. Well, Google Stadia is going to be doing one. Yeah, and from Stadia is going to be a streaming a streaming console. Yeah. I really don't think that's going to last. Even though there are games that are well, exclusively for it. Yeah, and and they're top notch. I mean, Square Enix is making a game exclusively for the Stadia. Then again, but I don't think that'll last. Most people also looked at WoW and said it wouldn't last, and look at how long that's been going. It's yeah. gotten to the point where they're rerunning WoW Classic yeah. now. Yeah. They are wow. bringing Goldeneye. I, I mean, so like, it's one of those things where it just gets to the point where some people are going to always clamor for something that was older. So, uh, so, so fun fact is I used to listen to a podcast called the Retro Gaming Roundup. Mm-hmm. And one of their hosts was, uh, his name was SoCal Mike, and it was actually Mike Kennedy, who was the one who started the uh, the whole uh, Coleco Chameleon oh, okay. thing. You, there was an episode on there where he kept talking about the Ouya, and he couldn't believe how much funding they had gotten. And it was like GoFundMe, and it had pulled in like millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. 3.5 million or whatever it was. But he kept talking about like, well, we'll never be like the Ouya or or this. And that's basically what drove him to want to create something like the Coleco Chameleon because he wanted to, I guess, capture lightning in a bottle twice. And so he wanted to have like a, like a, 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 what is that called? The, uh, the crowdfunding like, like Kickstarter, a, like a Kickstarter for it, yeah, yeah and GoFundMe, and he wanted to be like, he wanted to get millions of dollars for it, and obviously he didn't, and we got the Coleco Chameleon, well, somewhat, it was just a shell of a system with the Super Nintendo Mini crammed into it, so, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but you have the Ouya, or you have, uh, yeah, the Ouya to thank, wait, the Coleco Chameleon to thank for the Ouya, no, other way around. Holy shit! I am I'm losing it. You're ooying all over. I this am ooying. I think part of the problem too is like weird ones like that don't have brand recognition. Whereas, say, like if Sony and Microsoft were to say this is the way we want to go, 
there'd be less people fighting it because of the name. Well, I mean, honestly, maybe. It, in this day and age, it's almost impossible to launch a, a system. A system. Oh, Unless yeah, you're one of the big totally, three, yeah. it's not happening. No, it's not. Because isn't Atari pumping out a system now? I thought they were. They were supposed to. There hasn't been any news on that for I literally. It was just a re- like a relaunch of like the 5200. Huh? Mm-hmm. No, we're talking about the Atari VCS that was like, yeah. it was the oh. slick looking black box that was supposed to be like um, online only and it was supposed oh, see, to be streaming. Oh, see, I thought they were doing like their, their mini version. That no, 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 cards. not the mini, no, not the mini version. No, this was something completely different. Oh, okay. That it got this whole crowdfunding, it got all the support and everybody was like, nope, it's going to be the Coleco Chameleon all over again. Then they... Uh, well, and see, that's part of that too is, okay, people saw how the other one failed funding wise. Yeah. So they didn't want to fund it, thinking that that it wasn't going to reach the goal anyways. So less people backed it up then. So Atari VCS actually had more backing. Oh, did it? <laughs> it had more backing. Okay. So norm, but see, that's normally the way the speculation goes. Exactly. It had more backing. It 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 succeeded in its backing goal. And then what they did was they had no information on the system. They had no updates for like six to nine months. So people started pulling the money? People started wondering like, hey, what's going on? Because we just got the wool pulled over our eyes with the Coleco Chameleon. What's going on? Well, then they showed a picture of the Atari VCS. And I'm not going to lie. Whatever that thing was that they had, it was slick looking. It looked really freaking cool. Was it just like a computer drawn graphic, or was no, it no, no? It was physical. No, it was an actual physical thing. However, if you ask me, was there guts inside of it? Probably not. It was probably just a shell again, but it looked really freaking cool. And so then you had all of these like little updates every like three to six months and now in the last like year and a half there has not been any information whatsoever on that thing and i'm telling you from the start i was like this is not it's not gonna happen because what people don't realize is all of the money they really think that with three to five million dollars they can create and launch a system of their own and succeed you cannot do that that is not economically feasible no these big three spend like tens of millions if not hundreds of millions on the systems so uh the vcs was at e3 this year bs it was (laughs) they've got an update from july of this year oh sure they do so <laughs> now I saw how's that humble pie taste? So I guess it's still going. They're just quiet and it's pissing people off. Oh, well, it's probably that taking what it is. It's then. probably okay. taking longer than they might have anticipated. That my my guess is I still software development because like look at what happened with what was it the PlayStation Mini where it, they just used some shitty emulator in it. Oof. So maybe that's yeah. what they were trying to avoid happening with this one. Yeah, but I still, so they're trying to write their own like shit, and they're sucking at it. I am still a firm believer that you cannot fund an entire system and oh, I release don't. a system on three to five million. It just can't be done. I'll be perfectly honest. The only thing that I feel kind of could succeed in launching a console, Sega. How much brand recognition does Sega still have? How many years out of the race? I feel like Sega could say, hey, guess what, guys? E3 next year? Boom. We're releasing another fucking console. Maybe if if the Sonic movie does well enough... I well, mean, how much are we I'm begging not, for Fantasy Star in the West? I'm not going to lie. The um, the uh, the Genesis Mini comes out next week. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of like 
Oh, a, yeah. A lot Game of positive reviews Game about that too thing. too bad for that one. Yeah. They said so, that it was done really well, and people are very impressed with it. So, you know what? Maybe, depending on how well it sells, maybe this is their chance to get back into that in the I mean, or, who knows? Maybe some of the smaller companies that are now gone like that all band together under mm -hmm. some other, like, conglomerate logo and start pushing shit out. I mean, just imagine. You have... I mean... Genesis has such a devout following. Saturn, I mean, Dreamcast, yeah, they're all like Sega's such... still pumping Sonic out. Oh yeah, so... are you kidding? They're still doing Fantasy Star shit over in Japan. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Sega is still a household name, even though they haven't been around no. since the Dreamcast. In what? Well, when was the Dreamcast? Uh, when did 99. that end? Well, it came out in 99. I believe it died in 2001. So, I mean, era, yeah, 18 so. years after the fact and people still know who Sega is? Oh, and, yeah. And still, like, are, well, I mean, look, they could have working designs for some reason come back from the ashes and create a game. After the working designs games are all triple-digit games. You know what I mean? To see a working designs game now, yeah. I feel like Sega would be the only company that could launch a console and relatively succeed. Would mm -hmm. they shoot themselves in the dick again? Probably. Probably. Well, <laughs> well, but, and but I, that wasn't really their... That was... That was in, Sega reaching for some technology no, that just wasn't quite available. No, that was internal stuff because, honestly, too. Sega of Japan and Sega of America could never oh, get together. And, really when, and when Sega of America was actually doing well in the marketplace, Sega of Japan didn't like that because it wasn't their success. It was Sega of America. And honestly, Sega of Japan was the ones who told them they had to release the the Sega Saturn at at the at the uh at the E3 show or the that convention the game, when it was yeah. when it was prematurely released, yeah. And even the guy who was the president at the time, uh, uh, Tom Kalinsky, he told him, "This is suicide. We can't do this. You can't like it's going to ruin Sega." And Sega Japan said, "Nope, you're going to make it available. You're going to do this because you're taking you're taking our our well, instructions. Like you have to follow this." To be honest, I think that is one of those things where it's a very cultural thing. Because Japanese companies will never allow themselves to be basically led by their American branches. Mm -hmm. Or, so or like outshone by If them. Nintendo of America were to suddenly become better than Nintendo of Japan, the same thing would happen where Nintendo of Japan would basically say, no, we're cutting everything with you guys now. I don't know if, I don't know if that's I the case, though. I feel like the mindset has shifted since that No, no, but the, but got to remember, the CEOs are still of that age, and yeah, it's slowly shifting. That's true, I suppose. But the people running those companies still have that mentality. It's why Japanese game developers, when they go defunct, will not sell to American game developers. Mm -hmm. And I suppose it's why we still don't get a lot of titles over here. Yep, because mm -hmm. there is still the We Are Japan, they're a very xenophobic country, <coughs> even though, yes, it is shifting and it is getting better they are still very bad about that yeah hence well america's not any we're not any better, better. No, because, I, considering I, yeah. how much we censor shit here yeah, yeah. which for some reason i mean come on yeah honestly the needing then the need for censorship in video games anymore seems like such an outdated concept considering what we have access to in the media anyway mm -hmm. so like i'll never understand that shit like yeah. actually uh the final fantasy 8 remake or the remaster that they did. Did you... Oh, that's right, you haven't played it. Um, no. They I, censored out part of Siren. The summon for Siren. They covered her nips? They covered her nips and they covered her her lower extremity. 
Yeah, her hoo-ha. <laughs> for Siren her woman or, cave. For, or for Shiva? For Siren. Oh, okay. She plays the harp and she's... Yeah. She, you don't see anything anyway. You just saw the green light. I mean, it's bush. not like they showed a straight up fucking clam down there. Yeah. You know what I mean? But for some reason, they felt the need to censor it. Like, well, what I'm, are you... Yeah. Why? This makes no sense. Yeah. It's fucking 2019. If she wants to show her clam, let her show her goddamn clam. <laughs> goddamn clam. I don't know. I don't, the only reason I haven't picked up the, the remaster of FF8 is because they left out a bunch of the stuff that the PC version got. Mm. So you remember how I, sh- I, was, I was telling you about the remake, oh, well, the remaster for Final Fantasy VII, where it's got like the triple speed, it's got yeah, the, yeah. the life and eight, the limit gauge refill, it's got the no encounter, stuff like that. Well, there was stuff like that for FF8 on the PC version where it would give you like all the cards, all the mm. items, like cool like little cheats that you could just kind of play and do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. They cut all those from every version except for the PC. Oh, eh, I feel like that's a tiny that's a tiny qualm though. Sorry, but being able to just start the beginning of the game and say I have all magic and I don't have to draw, spend See, the first six hours drawing. That to me is that's kind of the point of the game. Like that's just taking a whole system and being like, I'm a god now. That's that was the point. That was kind I of, beat that game how long ago? <laughs> I want to be able to dick around any way I want. But now you can do it and you can see his face. Yeah, no, that's Instead good. of seeing that glob of fucking ganish that he's got or for a face. Or if you play it on the PS2, like the thin PS2 where you see the animation squares. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of, I felt the same way about uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 where everything was already unlocked on the PS3. And well, it got no, but, see, was, but yeah. see, it's one of those things where it's, I liked having, it was an option. It's not something you had to use. Yeah, I can see. Cutting that. options like that is dumb. I don't know. I feel like putting options in is dumb. No. Fuck Let you. people play the game how, the way it's meant to be fucking played. How old are those games at this point? If you haven't played it the way it's meant to be played, you weren't going to play it that way, period. I don't like the temptation. Fuck <laughs> Just because you have a weak willpower. I have a strong willpower. Bullshit! God damn it. <laughs> so you're kind of hypocritical what you just said. is Play the game the way it was meant to be played. So Marvel vs. Capcom 2, when it was originally, when it came out in, in arcades, everybody was unlocked. That was the way it was meant to be played. That's but, an arcade game. But we had more fun with the store. That was not the way it was meant to be played. On that the PS2 was, it was. That was an option oh, added man. to help sell the game. And that was not an option. We had to do the store. <laughs> we did. <laughs> you fucker. We had to do the store. We liked it, damn it. <laughs> no, we, we did. Didn't. I loved the store. No, no, we didn't. I love it in practice mode, leave it on overnight, have the maxed out points, and just buy everything anyway. I, I told you guys about that, right? When I did that on... I've uh, done it before, too. No, 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 no. Versus SNK. Capcom versus SNK because so the wonderful thing about Marvel vs. Capcom 2, you got a lot of points. Like when you beat the game on, on arcade mode. You got like maybe you a got, few hundred or a few thousand. Right? No, a few thousand. You got like yeah. twenty three hundred and it could be more than that too. And the average thing, like from the beginning, it was like five hundred points, six hundred points, and then it gradually goes up. Well, Capcom vs. SNK One they, point. they had the same thing. <laughs> when you beat the game, you got like four hundred points. It's like the highest you could get was oh, 400 points. And when, like, things that you could buy in the store were like 3,000 points, yeah. 5,000 points. Why I wanted to get everything, I don't know. I was crazy. Maybe I was You're I was bored. a little bit too gung-ho on, on Marvel vs. Capcom 2. You were stuck in that collector bubble. I really was, actually. <laughs> it got to a point to where, so you could do it. You could put it on training mode, and you could max out that thing to get 999 points. But the, the thing was, is every 10 minutes you would get 
what what is it a hundred points or something like that so it was like 10 points a minute or whatever it broke down to it was an hour and a half to get 999 points and so therefore I, set. I literally <laughs> i got so Put it good on, watched a movie. i got no i got so good at it that i would literally have that thing on overnight i would wake up in the middle of the night even with the tv off i would know how to exit training mode that's exit sad. out and then get back into training mode. I would turn on the TV just to make sure I was back in training mode. Turned off the TV, went right back to bed. I did that thing for a couple weeks, and man, was I happy! That is sad. Wow. <laughs> All right, maybe an option to unlock everything isn't such a bad idea. At that no. Point, at that point, <laughs> turns just people give me crazy. A game shark. <laughs> turns people crazy, but guess Our what? Code breaker, just max out the points. But guess what? Fucking hell, I got everything on that game. Wow. All of it unlocked. That's fucking funny. <laughs> that's bad. Yeah, that's <laughs> see, no, I just, see, like, FF7, I like going back with games like that, I like having the option to cut out cut out some of the TDM. Yeah, I can see that. And, like, because, like I said, I've played those games to death. I've been through FF7 and 8 I, more than a dozen times each. And, I like, I've used different combinations of parties, different stat setups. I just like being able to go in and just dick around however I want to go through the game. I mean, look at Tales of Vesperia. I've been through that game, like, 20 times. Yeah. And, like, being able to take, like, the grade system, that's what makes the Tales franchise so good. Yeah. I can take other items and stuff through another play. I can keep my level. I can level up faster. Yeah, but those you earned... You had to earn grade points throughout the game I and then beat it to attain the grade. Fine. Make it an unlockable after you beat the game. See, that I, that I would I would agree. be cool that with that. I miss cheats like the that. The one that didn't make sense to me about the FF8 is the no encounters. You can get no well, encounters in the game. Well, the, the big thing like that, well, yeah, first off, you have to From get, Diablo. You have to, Diablos. Diablos. He had a no encounter ability. Well, off, where you met no encounters. First off, you Why had Why would like, you put that in the game? Because like, as a cheat. As in, like, you... Don't encounter anybody. Well, oh, bosses still. Oh, just but, bosses. Um, you would get. You would completely get rid of all random encounters. FF8, so basically, it's a, it's like the level three challenge of Super Mario. No, it's a little RPG. bit different because in Final Fantasy VIII, when you're playing through the game and you level up, enemies scale with you. Oh. So if you beat the game at a low level using no encounter, it makes certain bosses much weaker. Oh. So, like, the whole point was there are speedruns where you get Diablos, get no encounter as quickly as possible, and speedrun the game. Oh, yeah, and then just speedrun. So you can still have fun with it. You can still make it a... Because so speedrunning's fun. Well, it is to say... It is fun! <laughs> it doesn't look fun. To me, yeah. I love watching people speedrun shit, and they're like, Fuck! Oh, yeah. One pixel off! Yeah, but then when it's a Streets 112, man... Oh, my God, I am fucking... <laughs> Holy shit, what an episode. See, I, that's why I like. I just like options. I I miss when cheats were in games. M R R L. Me and Mark Rootsu. Me and fucking Mark Rootsu. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what, I, I agree. I like when the game presents you the cheat. Uh, is it really a cheat then at that point? Because even Rainbow Islands told you how to get the world select mm -hmm. no, at the see, end if you got the bad that's ending. That's still it's it's a nice little touch or stuff like Konami Code stuff like like things like that. Mm -hmm. I miss when stuff was like that was in games. Yeah, there's definitely nothing like that. Oh, anymore. you can't anymore because you're putting codes in there or putting extra characters. That's that's like I, I think we had a conversation not long ago about like hidden characters in games. Like that was a staple of like fighting games. Yeah, now you pay five ninety nine. No, exactly. 
I was like, I well, can't... See, this is why, like, games like Borderlands, I think they do it right with the badass system and the new Guardian ranks, where I can keep playing even after I've maxed out my character to get those extra stat bonuses, mm -hmm. to get more powerful, and to keep pushing stuff to get better loot. Yeah. And actually, it's, it's funny to say that, because you were saying you pay for extra characters now. There are quite a few fighting games where it even tells you in the description of the purchase this can be unlocked in game. Oh, there so are Canada some fighting now? games. King yeah. of Fighters oh. did that, I think. King of Fighters did it. So oh, it's nice. like you could technically spend three ninety nine to get this character, or you could just unlock it in game. Oh, okay. But so it's like, do I want it now or do I want to earn it? See, yeah, I would. Fuck it, I got money to no, burn. No, see, I would, I would earn it because. No, see, if they're only unlockable by. By like paying, that's one thing. But if they're unlockable by earning them in game, I would I'd earn it in game. Yeah, yeah. Because that just that makes it feel like the old school stuff. Because I I will never forget how like sad I was when I came to the realization. I'm like, man, extra like hidden fighters. Like that was that was such a big thing. I loved looking at cheat guides and cheat codes and like the back of tips and tricks to find out like who could be unlocked. Yeah. And now it's like. Or even nope. putting a sequence on the character select and it reveals a different character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, lips. and now it's like, can't, can't do that anymore because now every every hidden character is like, nope, we can make money on that. So that that two ninety nine a character. So it's like, well, there's a character pack. Crap. Yeah. 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 You're right. Where is time gone? I don't I don't know. Know. Sega, make a comeback. We're waiting for you, Sega. You could even call it the Sega Ages. I need Which a hero. <laughs> I need a Sega. Right oh my now. God! Could you imagine Sega makes a comeback at E3, overtakes Nintendo, Nintendo love to become I would love it. Sega Tendo. and their new mascot will be Sonic holding they Mario. They fuse together, and, and Sorry. we end up with a fleshy no. human Sonic. And the, that that movie we got was. That's a reality now. <laughs> 3D Mario is now 3D Sonic, and he looks like the guy in the movie. <laughs> uh, to be honest, uh, Mario already looks like that to me, so... <laughs> Nintenga. Nintenga? Yeah. No, because no, Sega does what Nintendo don't, so That's they no. can't ever work. Shit. It's not going to be Sega Tendo or whatever. 8-Bit Bros Community, whatever the fuck it's called now. What are, what are they called now? When, when uh, two dudes and... Uh, the Genesis Gems Fused? Uh, Bit Bros? The Bit Bros. There yeah, you Bit go. Bros. There's a shout out to the Bit Bros. Super, guys. Yeah, Super Mega Bro clever. Bros? Super uh, Mega yeah, Bro Bros. That, yeah, 8 Bit. 8 Bit. Yeah. I think it's the 8 Bit or, Brothers. Or the or uh, Bit, Bit Brothers or something like that. Bit Bros. Bit Bros. Yeah. Yes. Cool, guys. Check them out on yes, Facebook. Check them out. Two dudes in an S on, on iTunes and Stitcher. Or not Stitcher. I'm sorry. Just iTunes. What are they? Uh, we're Stitcher. We're Stitcher. <laughs> Uh, Man, I Genesis think, Gems, they're still a thing, right? I think so. Yeah, I think they still have their own thing. Check I think them out, too. They're I really good. I think it's under Genesis Germs, though. Nah, it's not Germs. They actually, they just did an episode I saw of, uh, they did Arcus Odyssey for the Genesis. Oh, I didn't One know of the that. few instances where the Genesis version was superior to the Super Nintendo version. They did yeah, Arcus Odyssey on the, on the Super Nintendo? Yeah. Japan only. It, it was Oh, that's why. Well, I don't know if you could necessarily count that. No, but I, I actually did play the Super Nintendo version once. On just a ROM. on a ROM for yeah. funsies, mm -hmm. sounded better on the Genesis. That, that there are weird, games that weird tinny Genesis. I still, I'm still a firm believer. Um, <sighs> Mega Turrican on the Sega Genesis, hands down, sounds so much better than the Super Nintendo version. 
I believe. Absolutely. Musha, I feel like it had to be on the Genesis. Yeah, I don't think they could have pulled it off on the Super Nintendo. I don't think so either. I almost bought you, speaking of that store that we were at <laughs> in Beaver Dam, they had an Axelay I almost bought you. Because didn't you say you wanted Axelay? How much was it, though? I don't know. I didn't see a price. And I ended up walking away. <laughs> That's usually a good time to walk away when there's no price stickers on something. Well, the whole, sh- the whole like, they had a case, and a lot of it didn't have prices. They did have a Bucky O'Hare for only 90 which the game's worth 98 so I almost. Uh, so I'm guessing Axley was probably gonna. Yeah. I think uh, Axley is only worth like 35 now. It's yeah. It's it's yeah. actually not that expensive. I saw it. I think at the Midwest Gaming Classic this year for like 50, and I was like, no, it's, yeah. it's no. Yeah. 30 bucks at most. Maybe I'll pay 40 bucks for it. But I don't oh know. yeah. Well, what an episode this turned out to be. This this actually panned out. One. This panned out to be a longer one than I thought. It did. It did. But you seem like you your your rebuttal was. Much, much better this time. Thank you. You were actually paying attention this time. He's still wrong, but I mean... No. You weren't yawning. <laughs> you you tried to keep proving your point when it was already proven. Well, we already agreed with it, but you kept trying to prove it anyways. You know what they say, the best Prove-ing. feeling in the world is proving somebody wrong. And I enjoy it, and I take every ounce of it I can get. All Too bad you've never say, proven anyone wrong. All I can say is that I may not be right, but, but I'm never wrong. <laughs> you lame ass. <laughs> ah! What's that shirt your mom bought me say? <laughs> no, you're wrong, so sit there and you're wrong. I had sex with you last night. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> oh, you guys are gross. <laughs> Thank you, my mom. All right. Uh, well, that'll do it for this episode of the Power Trip Gaming Powercast. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully. So, let us know what you guys think. Uh, tell us what you think about the, the collecting landscape now. Tell us what you think about um, uh, the Next the sort crunch. of collectible. Next sort of collectible. I mean, everything that we talked about. Give us. L- let us know what you think, um, and we'll talk about it on on future episodes. Absolutely. Do you think pop figures are going to transcend the next medium? Are we going to end up with digital pop figures? Oh fuck! Holographic. They already do well, like digital action. Actual holographic base that just. They already do like figures. digital action figures and like video games that you can collect. I think that that's the stupidest thing. Oh yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. Well, actually, one the only way I could see that being a thing would be, like, how the Amiibos work. Where it's, you get a figure, but it also does something in a game. Maybe. The only time it's that It's actually it kind was, of a clever system. I like the Amiibo. The only time that I liked... They're too easy to hack, though. Yeah, yeah. The only time I liked a digital action figure was in Resident Evil 5. Because they made an Excella figure. You and you could, and you could, and you could rotate it any way that you wanted. Yeah. You know, this is... Off topic, what, like this but in Soul Caliber, right? You know how you could view things and you could rotate them and they would jiggle, 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 jiggle. jiggle. I won't lie. Jiggle, 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 jiggle. I've uh, released quite a few, uh, quite a few palm shots just rotating figures in Soul Caliber. <laughs> it was all nightmare, by the way. <laughs> no, it was Ivy mostly. I, I had a thing. So Ivy, Ivy, Ivy was yeah. Ivy was yeah. Uh, Taki. Because you can see him through the suit. Oh, tacky. Ex, uh, Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball. <laughs> You're the only person in the world who's played that. Nuh-uh. No, I'm not. No, I'm did. talking about actually played it. Game Grumps did. I feel like they played it ironically. <laughs> no, because you got to remember the breakdown Aaron had in it. <laughs> that was pretty they, fucking They had to call funny. Susie in to get him. <laughs> but I feel like you're the only one who actually played it to play volleyball. You're like, oh, the tits were secondary, but I did. that was pretty I did, cool. I did. I did enjoy it, but... 
the volleyball was very fun to play too. You're an idiot. <laughs> but yes, let us know how you feel. Do you think Sega could possibly release a system and be successful? I could see it. I could, I, see it too. I could totally see it happening. I so, feel like Sega's pretty synonymous with the, with the gaming landscape. With the renaissance that retro gaming has had, like that Sega. Word. What's that? You've said that word like six times. Yeah, because that's what this really is. Yeah, you're right. It is. Can't, I can't argue it. So, uh, but with that being said, like Sega, I think honestly right now would, they would be primed to come back and have a comeback. Like people will go crazy over it. Oh, God. People would cream themselves. Nah, I don't know Dynamics. about that, though. What's that? Crystal Dynamics. <laughs> Legacy Kane. There you go. Oh, too bad Square owns all them now. Summon a bitch. <laughs> Well, anyway, that's it. Uh, hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Go to powertripgaming.tv. You can watch our YouTube videos where we're pounding through the NES collection. And we are playing other games that uh, we are playing on SideQuest. Absolutely. I did it again. Yes, right? you did. I just said absolutely and had no follow-up. Nope, nothing <laughs> whatsoever. What are you trying to say there, buddy? I don't know. Next time on Power Trip. So catch us, uh, catch all of our other episodes of the Power Trip oh, Gaming Powercast on iTunes and Stitcher. Both! Whichever one you want. It doesn't have to be both, but if you want it to be both, why not? Here comes trouble! What? Come on, man. What is going on? <laughs> Are we going to make a double? What is going on? We're going to make a double! No, we're not. Oh, fuck. iTunes and Stitcher are making a double. Do you not watch Pokemon? Of Come on, man. I do. He jerked off to Jesse all the time. No, I didn't. You know. No. Stop it. You're going to say about <laughs> Nurse Joy. Come on, stop oh, it. I was a misty guy, personally. Thank <laughs> uh, you very much. No. All right, guys. Sorry we had to put that image in your head. Yeah, that was it. That's the uh, Power Trip Gaming Powercast. I was an Officer Jenny guy. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> You were a, you were an Ash guy. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, oh, you're listening with, with power. power. Top notch.